What's up, everybody? We are not on an episode number, but we're on day number, I think, 59, 65, something of quarantine here in California, and have a really unique podcast set up today. I know we already introduced and segue uh, more of the details on this, but we've managed to get together three industry leaders um, to sit down today in the same room safely. We've all sanitized, temperature checked, um, cough checked before coming in here and uh, discuss how the COVID-19 shutdown has impacted their industry, their business, um, and kind of talk about future plans and what um, things look like down the road. So as always, thanks for making the time to come in. I know coordinating this thanks, actually wasn't as difficult because calendars aren't full right yeah, now. We, we have time. I, I think I think in, in normal business time, it would be impossible to it's find. It's the only time you can catch Jimmy that easy. <laughs> what, or it's like a Matt unicorn. being in town, you yeah, being yeah, at one yeah. of your locations and, yeah. and running around. So we lucked out there. And uh, um, honestly, I, I was a little reluctant. I had this, I talked about doing something along these lines, didn't exactly know what. Um, and then just hit a point, so many conversations I'm having one-on-one, um, I think are healthy. But I think there's a lot of unhealthy conversations and, and messages being put out and unrealistic expectations on how things are going to look moving forward. And that was the inspiration to get you guys together and, and talk. So by all means, we're not going to leave out any of the bad, ugly, or especially the good. So um, yeah, the, the way we're going to structure today is we're going to go one by one. Um, and I think for the to, to get started this first time around is give a reintroduction of yourself, even though we'll do some of the um, introing in the credits, um, the industry you're with, and we wanted to kick it off by talking about how this has impacted you up until today. So I know some of the industries, some businesses felt a little bit more of the pinch sooner than others, some later than others. And I think that was a the good jump off point here to, to really go retroactive and see how the last month, two months plus have been for each of you. So Matt, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you. Great. Thanks, Pete. Uh, my name is Matt Green. My friends call me Maddie. Um, uh, I work for Evolution Hospitality in Ambridge um, Hospitality. We're a very large third-party hotel management company. I've been in San Diego for 12 years, moved here from Vegas from the Hard Rock, and uh, recently, with the growth of our organization, moved to Dallas in January. And um, as we were all going through this, uh, I made a decision to come back out to home, San Diego, uh, I, I moved my parents out here from Chicago probably seven years ago when I wanted to be close by my dad. And that condo is on the market. Don't think it's going to sell anytime soon. So um, uh, back to the question of, you know, how how has this uh, affected uh, our business and, and us? And, and as things started progressing, um, we do contingency plans. So I've been around a long time and been through a lot of downturns. So we are thinking, okay, this is this is going to be a downturn coming up. And so we put a contingency plan protocol in place for all of our hotels. And we have, give or take, 1,500 hotels in over 20 countries. We're the largest hotel management company in the world. And so you go levels, one, two, and three. And three would be a drop of 50% of your business. And you're all, you know, we're not going to hit that. That would be catastrophic. And this changes so much week by week for all of us as you get your head around, uh, wrapped around it, and you see this kind of tidal wave coming, and no one knows what's going to happen, especially early on. So we get the contingency plans going, and now you look back and go, I would just kill for only a drop of 50% of our business. Mm-hmm. And so we've made decisions like every other vertical business, what 
hotels you leave open, what do you have to close? It depends on where you're at because, you know, you could go to South Florida in Miami and Broward County and you could only have essential travelers in your buildings. And so you really can't take people in for the most part. And then there's other areas where you're, you can take some business or find some business and weekends are picking up depending where it is. So the toughest part of this is the lack of transparency because everyone wants to know timelines. There's no timelines. Um, we employ tens of thousands of people in our industries. And the biggest heartbreak is these people, these associates, these managers become family. You know, mm-hmm. you have tight relationships and we're responsible for, you know, providing um, an income to these individuals. And when you have no business, even if you keep the doors open, um, eventually you have to lay people off. And to me, that is the hardest thing. Um, to do and so it's been a very trying time for everybody and um, we keep in contact I have a lot of aid Um, we have a thing called Ambridge AIDS we're raising a lot of money to help those in need and I know there's many organizations doing that Um, trying to provide resources and links so people can go out and get help they can get psychological help they can talk to experts and get the financial help but Long story short, um, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And we're now thinking about reimagining the business. But I don't think anyone could predict of how challenging this was going to be. And, and what's interesting is it's not a California issue. It's not a United States issue. It's a planetary issue. And there's a lot of noise out there, whether it's radio, <coughs> TV, news stations, social media. And people are predicting things. Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. You have to use intelligence, listen to science, look at statistics, and make some decisions. And you're going to have short-term, medium-term, and long-term. And you and I chatted about this. You're going to have pre-vaccination and then post. And once they come up with a vaccination, how soon can they actually get it mass-produced for the planet? Mm -hmm. But if you're nimble because you're going to make some decisions based on what you think you know, a lot of that's going to change really quickly. Just be nimble and understand that it's going to require communication, change, empathy, and I, I think we'll get through this. But the timing is the thing I think that is the most frustrating, concerning on a personal level as well as a professional level. Totally. And, and I don't know if anybody caught the detail, 1,500 hotels or 1,500 properties. So that's a lot of people. And, and I know like just because – We've worked and partnered for a long time. Evolution in general, in normal business um, times, has a really good practice on company culture and maintaining company cultures and stuff that you put into play that I think are really cool and really uh, elevated for um, the hotel industry or above their, um, you know, time. Is that a button you guys have pressed during this even more, you know, with, with staff that are still employed, who are not employed? I know you said a big part is giving them resources, educating them, have you guys pressed a little bit harder on the, you know, the culture side of, of things? Absolutely. I mean, it, what's, what's great is an evolution. We believe everything is driven through culture, your mm-hmm. success, your results, and, and that's authenticity. And, and, and that's not for everyone. There's some people that, you know, culture, it's a buzzword. But we also have a charity called Evo Cares, and we're all donating to this. Um, at the end of the day, we're so tight-knit we try to do fundraisers. We have our philanthropy. We're raising money. We have a process where people can apply for this money um, for assistance. And um, 
uh, it's really shown as an organization where our culture and our philanthropic focus um, has come front and center. And then a lot of things are just about communicating, being transparent. If you don't have an answer to a question, you get asked a lot of tough questions by your associates and your managers that have been laid off or even the ones that are working limited hours or, or working if, if mm-hmm. we're fortunate enough. Um, we have to be really transparent. We don't have an answer for this. Here's the resources we have. You can call us 24 by 7, and we're very well connected. But I think the cultural piece of our organization has helped everyone um, work on getting through this. But every single individual, not just in our organization, but all of our organizations on the planet, everyone has, is dealing with this in a different way. And so I think if you have someone you can reach out to, call, check, or if you're proactively checking on your teams, I think that makes a huge difference because they know that you care. Mm-hmm. And um, um, we've had a lot of great success stories just in people that were really concerned, frustrated, scared. At least having a conversation doesn't change the environment we're in, but makes them know that we're all in this together and, and they have someone to support them that cares about that. Totally. And, and on the other side of this thing, we're all going to be back together. Yeah, I'm curious to hear, too, because we, we've obviously been working over at the Hard Rock here for a long time, and contingency plans were conversations regularly the couple weeks leading up to this, and we were two weeks out from um, pool season, and pool season really is the starting line of all events and event season kicking off at, at the hotel here. And each day it was updates on the contingency plan, our strategy, but you're at such a higher, you're at 30,000 feet looking over all of them. Was there, was there an area of the country or area of your guys' um, properties that you, saw, that you saw the spike or transition faster or, or in different ways? Or was it all just one across the board? Because I only saw San Diego. It, it, so that's a really good question. It, again, we all were in contingency mode, and, and it gets more real every day and more significant exponentially. I think... The majority of the country um, went into it the same way as far as it really finally, it's like it's past contingency. This is, do you stay open, close, and, and, and now it's, it's a social situation. Like, it, we could stay open because there isn't a, a local requirement to close, but it's not, it's not smart. It's not safe. So we started seeing all of the businesses we're closing, you know, and this is why, and, you know, and nightclubs and restaurants. Mm-hmm. I think NBA you know, one was a big one for everyone, right? Exactly. Once they suspended this season, yeah, I, I remember, like, uh, like it was just, real. this is real. Yeah. Once they suspended that season, That's I think right. it was a, like a, a check mark for everyone. Okay. That, was, that, was, the, that right? was the dagger point for the event events. Oh, yeah. Because I know we were, we were, putting we were on the, the phone that with, day, I remember. You were with your Muay Thai event, yep. with the boxing event. Yep. And <clears> that day, we had our last call with the commission, and with a doctor, they brought a doctor on because I was pushing hard to keep it. Yeah. And it was the next Sunday. And then the NBA thing happened that night. And we were supposed to have our final, the, the thumbs up or th- thumbs down combo in the, in the morning. And I text the commission. I'm like, done. I'm not even a, I'm not going to call you, guys. It was a chain reaction, right? Because it was state athletic commission. Then it was NFL, MLB, like everyone followed right mm-hmm. away. So I think, and I think for NBA, it was the big one that one of the players got sick right away, right? Yep. That was what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. And I think it was the guy who was like touching the mic, that's making right. a joke of it, yeah. and they just yeah. made it worse. The irony of that. I, yeah. I, I was heading to Arizona the next day, so the NBA post were canceling, and I'm driving to Arizona the next morning with my wife and kids to do spring training, spring training with my brother and his kids, and we're going to do like this this weekend, this spring break kind of weekend, because uh, their spring break was a little earlier, and on the way out there, spring training's canceled, NBA's canceled, baseball's canceled, like... Golf. 
golf is done and I'm on my driving out there going like, do I turn around and go back? Mm -hmm. Right. Like I was literally kind of in shock and stressing out that entire weekend with them. Just wondering like what's happening in our restaurants right now. Should I be gone? Should I not do this? And and not that it was, I was stressing out. I was like, this is insane. And coming back that next Monday, which was, I think the 12th or the 13th of March, uh, was like walking into a buzzsaw and just Mm -hmm. like, is this really happening? Yeah. It's funny. I had the same thing. We went out, probably the same day to Arizona to one of his other properties. And when it became surreal is when we walked in there, we already knew everything was here, here was put to bed. But again, we're so isolated to just what's going on regionally in California or San Diego specific for us. But when we walked into the Adeline, which is in old town Scottsdale, yeah, uh, and they told us there's four people checked in or on property. That's when I was like, Oh fuck, this is not, <laughs> this is everywhere. This is an everywhere thing. And it's, and, and for hotels, it's such a, it's, it's so much more layered too. Cause you fall in the food and bev part, the hotel room, room part and events and nightclubs, nightclubs. Yeah. So you're in the nightclub category. So it's, it's so layered as far as like, and I know those were the conversations there. The, the rooms was starting to get a spike in like the convention business, but we were having the combos like, let's keep pushing events or shrink down pools because it was still an option. The window was still slightly open for that. And then it closed. And what's crazy though is. San Diego, the second largest traded economy is hospitality, which yep. is really all of our industries. And hospitality feeds all these other verticals. So we're a hospitality city. Yep. And we were poised to have one of the best years ever. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's like, you're just going so hard and so fast. It's a lot of work. And all of a sudden, boom, you hit a wall. And again, like we're all saying, we're, well, we're thinking, okay, we're going we're gonna to have to cut some costs. And all of a sudden, boom there's a whole new reality that no one even had a chance to ponder. It, nope. it, it, it really hit. There were so many on. layers to it, right, Matt? Because initially when that happened and we, we saw it with the restaurants, you know, hotels were hit first with the conventions, all the conventions mm-hmm. that were canceled and uh, right away trickle reaction to, from the hotels to the restaurants, to bars and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're thinking, okay, well, we can ride this out a week, maybe two. Right. And then mm-hmm. little did we know like how many layers there were uh, to the shutdown, you know? Yeah. And early on, we weren't even thinking health was just starting to come into it, but it was more like there wasn't business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you start throwing the whole health issue and that brought that exponentially Expon- changed the yeah. whole world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was interesting too, because hospitality was the first to be, to be on the scoreboard as far as festivals closing the nightclubs, a lot of the night, big nightclub operators, they're doing the right thing early and shutting down across the country. But it almost felt a little targeted, like in hospitality, like, man, we're laying down and everybody else is still at least on a knee or standing up. And honestly, our conversations yeah. help put in perspective that, no, this is this is all around. And, and I was at your gym one day, it was probably the week before the full shutdown. And one of my buddies who's in real estate was there too. And he said, no, it's fucked. It's fucked now too. So it's help, not helpful but it put everything a little bit more um, on the same playing field to know how it was all closing down at the same time. But hospitality was the first, I think that got the, the notability because you were starting to see the Coachella's, the stage coaches, the ultras, all these big festivals, which immediately puts the panic into people like, what the fuck, you know? And, and, and I, I would even give feedback to our staff because we were still working. I said, don't look at that as, as negative. I still don't think it's negative. I said, look at is they're doing the right thing. They're preventative, so we can now get rid of this, get through. And that was March. It was April festivals closing, May festivals. They're doing the right thing. And now we're sitting here first week of May, 
and totally different story. You know what the crazy thing is too? I think once that wave started, it was kind of easy, easier for you to make the decision of closing your festival and event. The tough decisions, the, the, the board meetings, I can't imagine for big festivals that it was still not for sure. Right. And you had to make that decision. If you're going to go ahead and scratch your festival, which is going to be multi-million dollar loss, or you're going to go ahead and move forward. Right. So I can't even imagine these guys having make that, those kind of decisions again, not knowing yet before it was mandatory. Right. And well, you're yeah. like, am I going to be on the right side of this thing? Am I going to over be on the overreaction mm-hmm. or am I going to be like this guy who just neglected, uh, uh, you know, the older policy and, and suggestions, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. So I can't even imagine for these guys, because by the time we scratched our event, we just followed basically everyone mm-hmm. else. You know, I remember we had that phone call, uh, the final day where we we're like still trying to figure out, are we going to do this? Are we going to try to pull this off? And then once we saw State Athletic Commission canceled everything, you know, it was a no brainer. Yeah. Festivals are, are unique too, because they, you know, a lot of people were, were looking at, at this as, man, this, this totally capsizes my, my month. And then it was all oh, my quarters now shot. But with festivals, especially the ones that are do one or two a year, that's their year. That's it. Yeah. So when they make that decision and pull the plug, it's like, that's not, they're not getting their money back, you know, and, and you're right. It's millions and millions of dollars, but that's their year. They're not, okay, we'll reopen next quarter, especially with the, how the situation is now. So they're making these big decisions and that's, and, and that still employs a lot of people. And if you look at just what happened in Palm Springs for the two Coachellas and stagecoats, that, that town also relies Destroyed. on, yeah. on, on that, that's, everything. That's the key. It's an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. The amount of revenue it brings into a city the amount of ancillary businesses that thrive off of it, hotels, Mm -hmm. restaurants, retail, transportation. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling to think about it, but it's not just the one event. I mean, when we lost the chargers and they went to LA, I remember the first season without them. Mm -hmm. And that's when you really realize downtown, I mean, mission Valley, obviously where the stadium is, but downtown, the good traveling teams, Patriots, yep. you know, and, 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 and the L.A. team. You feel it. You really felt, and you start comparing numbers year over year. That's just losing a sports team. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're losing, and, and people don't want to travel now. So they don't want to get on planes. And, and what's crazy is right now traveling on a plane, I feel the safest I've ever felt. I'll tell you why. The filtration system on a plane is massively um, equipped to take all these bad particles and, and, and viruses out of the air, if they are there, it's 99 point something. Mm-hmm. I, I've was that something that. mandatory that they had to do, Matt? Um, no, it's always oh, been just, that oh, way, but a, they don't really necessarily talk about yeah, that. Yeah. And of course they change the filters, but you go to a grocery store downtown. No. Oh okay, yeah. I do. I go there, but <laughs> the nefarious characters in there, like I don't, I'm in and I'm out. Yeah. And I don't feel head down. Yeah. You get it done. <laughs> I travel on a plane right now with not that many on a plane and you put your, your, your mask on and gloves and you have your, your wipes. I, I, I don't feel any fear at all. But, but when you watch the media, and this is the thing we're going to have to cope with as we go through the stages coming back, there's, each individual has their ability to feel safe or comfortable and others that are not going to feel safe or comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the media... You, you look at for what they report and take it literally or piecemeal and you could be paralyzed by that. And so I think one of the things in all of our industries that we're going to have to do a really nice job of is communicating and demonstrating to our mm-hmm. customers and our guests 
that we take this seriously. Here's our new protocols mm-hmm. to keep you and our associates safe. Mm-hmm. And we need to demonstrate that and talk about what these protocols are. We never talked about that before. And think about mm-hmm. this. Two months ago, we'd all go to an event, an award celebration. You'd have action stations and buffets. We'd all use the same spoon <laughs> and the, the tongs and stuff. like. never think, no sneak, nothing, not mm-hmm. think about it. And you never had to for years. Right. That time has come and gone. That's I can't see that ever happening in the foreseeable future because of what we're all going through, and now it's all top of mind. Yeah, I think it'll change uh, forever. I mean, for us in our restaurant group, we're already going to – what we really need to be able to do is, is really show our consumers – all of the things that we're going to be doing to take the necessary steps to, to not only provide a safe environment for them, but to provide a safe environment for our employees. And, and, you know, there's been talks of, are you going to do the, the, you know, where you check the temperature of every person that comes into work every day, we're not going to push it that far, but it's definitely going to be recommended that if you feel anything like it is just, we don't want you coming in sick at all. And, and, and for multiple multitude of reasons, it's just, you have to show what you're going to do now and the steps you're going to do to everyone. Uh, and if you're not going to do that, I think you're going to struggle because I think people want that, that, that safety and that comfort is everything in hospitality. And that's the mm-hmm. new first step now. And I, so, it's a new norm. Yeah. That's what I call it. And what's interesting about temperature. So at the hard rock down the street, we're in, in our organization, we're taking temperatures of every associate and manager. I get my temperature checked every day going into the hotel. Wow. Um, uh, it was 96.4 today and 96.7 yesterday. Uh, 100 and over is, is, so I believe San Diego is rolling out guidelines that potentially might be mandatory uh, temperature checks if you want to be opened uh, as particular phase. I don't know. I don't know exactly. I, I agree with that. And it's, you know, we're seeing 100.4, but whatever it is, 100 call it. And if they're 100.4, they can't. They can't come in, mm-hmm. right? But, but, but you also, as you were saying, you ask them the basic questions. You know, do you have any symptoms? But here's the problem. You cannot get a thermal thermometer. You can't get, we have 12 order. We've been waiting weeks and they're saying the earliest we'll get it is May 24th. I literally had to borrow one from um, a friend who's in the military. They, it took them over a month, the military, to get these thermometers. Like you can't get these things right now and it's going to be a standard, but right now you can't even get your hands on the tools to take that next step in the short term. So the crazy thing, I know some businesses that bought from Home Depot, like industrial grade thermometers that basically uh, measure the temperature for like for our engines mm-hmm. and stuff. And they're, they're pretty precise too. So it's oh. kind of crazy. I think they're using that, but yeah, to your point, it's all sold out. I mean, if you're trying to buy any of that, it's going to be sold out for quite some time. Plexiglass, yeah. same thing, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're struggling right now. We're trying to uh, uh, upfit all of our gyms with plexiglass, but it's just not available. You mm-hmm. know? So we're, we have a couple of companies that are like custom making them, but you know, it's going to cost, a lot of money. Yeah. So we had a good que- question asked last week because we were talking about this specific with uh, temperature checks for some of the restaurants here reopening is who's the, t- if there is one, who's the task force or, or body of people who are going to enforce it? Because you also know there's going to be, there's going to be certain businesses out there who, who might not follow um, by well, the book. I, I bet there's going to be a lot that and, are and just yeah, like, screw this. There's a lot. So, and, and it brought up a good question. I don't know the answer to is, Who's the, who's the governing body? Cause we don't have the resources here. The, the law enforcement doesn't Health department doesn't. So is it going to be on, you know, an accountability factor too? Because when I, when I hear the temperature checks, I, I sit on the fence. Cause I think there's also coming back out of this business owners are going to have a lot of spotlight on them to make sure that they follow this. I think there needs to be the equal spotlight shared with the general public 
that they're being accountable and they're actually doing the right thing. Right. So if you know that you have a, a, a slight temperature, don't, don't make us actually put a device to your forehead to confirm you have a temperature. You know, I think there's going to be both sides as the businesses have to make sure that they stay accountable and they follow procedure, but we have way more people than we employ that are going to be out there that could potentially swing it the other direction too. So businesses can go so far and there isn't going to be a, a body of, uh, or a company that can enforce it. I think there has to be the, as much attention on the people. I think they're going to try to do probably similar thing that they did in LA with the mayor there announcing that, you know, you're going to hold your peers accountable. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have a lot of uh, social justice warriors and uh, you know, people that are going to be probably filming you on social media if you're not mm-hmm. following certain guidelines yep. and calling you out. I think that's probably the more realistic one. I just don't <laughs> see cities having enough manpower to check every single business. No. And to that point, you know, to Jimmy's point, if I have to weigh in, if I own a restaurant and I have to weigh in operating under guidelines at a loss and closing doors versus operating and potentially not following all guidelines, but at least I know I'm making some profit or breaking even and I can pay my employees, which, which side do you think average business owner is going to take? Mm-hmm. Am I going to close for sure? I'm going to go ahead and roll the dice. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a, a really interesting conversation to have for uh, local city officials as well as the state, right? Because yeah. how far do you guys want to push this? Because if you guys push it too far, then for combat studios, for martial arts studios, I know for a fact, they're going to go, go for it. They're mm-hmm. going to go for it because if, if I saved my money and my livelihood, all my livelihood is in that business, I'm going to do anything I can Survival, to save that yeah. business, you know, at whatever cost that, that might be, you know, obviously you have some businesses now opening up with, without even the lift of the guidelines, right? You see some of the gyms. I think they arrested uh, uh, one of the the ladies, I think the gym owner or maybe a salon owner for like seven days mm-hmm. for opening. But again, I'm not, I'm not condoning it, but at the same time, I get it. I understand mm-hmm. where they're coming from, you know? Yeah. It's unprecedented times. I, I think for, for us, I look at, um, you know, we had through all the real estate that I'm invested in, I'm a, you know, tenant rep broker. I represent so many businesses out there. Uh, and then I have, all these restaurants mm-hmm. I have apartments and that I'm involved in. And you have all these different sides going through this. And on, and on one side of the coin, I have all these office tenants that I represent that are in these high rise buildings and they're getting pressure to pay rent from their landlord. I have clients who are literally, they're like, my business is done. I can't pay rent and I don't know what to do. I have other companies that they're actually getting busier, but they're learning that they're actually more efficient from their employees working from home. So now they're going, mm. we would actually prefer to downsize our space substantially and have satellite offices where a lot of people can work from home remotely. And then when they need the office mm. or the conference room, they have a little spot for them to go. But yep. for us to have this big space, I don't know. We're rethinking that. We're looking at it. It might make more sense for us to work home. Then I look at like our restaurants and what we're doing. We're, we're sitting here right now I've, of the of the five that we're operating, um, that I operate and the 10 that I'm involved in. Um, two, we left two open to do takeout. And when you look at the takeout and what we're doing, we went from, on the ones that we're operating doing, say called a hundred thousand a week down to like 10 or 11,000 a week. Mm-hmm. I can't possibly pay that amount of rent and, and make it work. But the landlord and I'm a landlord too. And so I understand that the, mm-hmm. I understand it. The landlord feels, Hey, look, when we, when you get this PPP money from, we need to get paid right away for that. And you're like, well, hold on a second, because I can't just shell out all of these dollars to you, 
pay that money, and then just hopefully everything works out. I need to protect this money. I don't know if the guidelines are really clear on how to use it yet. I don't know what the rules are specifically, and then they're experts, but then you hear all these different things. It's just, there's so much chaos in the mind right now for the business owners on what you're going to do coming out of this. How do I renegotiate the lease? My, my, my thought right now is I'm going, look, I want to reopen and I'll do the best that I can. If it's 25% capacity, I'll do reservations. I'll do specific guidelines to it. There will be rules to it to if you come in and that's just going to be what it is. And I'll try and control my costs the best I can. And landlord, I'll give you 6% of my gross sales to, until I can get through this time and I'll try and make it work. I will fight every single day to make it work. I'm someone who's really involved, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm involved in our, and with every city council member that we have, everyone who's running for city council, I, I actually talk with our governing officials. I work with Kristen Gaspar and the County Board of Supervisors, and I'm involved. Imagine how many people out there that that's not their MO. They're not involved. They're not like getting all of this information and doing all these things. It's hard to get accurate information out there. So it's like, we're having all this stuff. We get all this, but there's going to be companies out there that they hear it's time to reopen. They just reopen. They don't follow any health guidelines or any of these other things. And I feel for them too, because not everyone's going to do that. Jimmy, you make some really good points. How involved you're on the city. And that's what I love about this city is that I always say, look, we're all in this together. This is before this ever happened. And so I'm very vocal when I feel the city isn't doing something correctly or penalizing businesses. But I always said, you know, look, what, depending on who the mayor is, and I, I love Kevin, and yeah. I've known him for years. I'm like, look, let's work together because the private sector, we're all successful together. We fell together. So we have resources we can work, we can brainstorm, and let's be creative. Let's yeah. be entrepreneurial in how we look at it. And I always say, you know, we have one of the best cities in the country, let alone the world. And especially when you're agree, yeah. dealing with hospitality, yeah. let's be intelligent, not political about the decisions we make, right. how we put these things together. And you made another comment that is, you talk about what the new norm is, and we chatted about this. Everyone now is being forced to work from home. Zoom, I wish I owned Zoom. Um, and, and everyone talked about telecommuting. And we, as an organization, have started before this ever happened last year, we started doing um, telecommuting for sales managers and they have to make their numbers and their goals and they only have to come in the office a couple times a week. And as long as they were making their numbers, why not? Why not? But the point is now, if you look at commercial office space, especially in tier one cities, New York, Chicago, DC, LA, and all these people are still working and the cost per square foot and the high occupancy they had, that whole business model is going to change dramatically. dramatically. And that's, mm-hmm. that's tough, right? Which will shake up everything else too. That's right. there, there's a documentary. Uh, it's like the big little farm or the, it's, uh, it has mm-hmm. to do with apricot lane and the, how they, they basically went and bought, I highly recommend anyone watching this. In my opinion, it's how it's basically the guidelines for economy economics one one. And essentially the documentary is about how they go to this farm and they're doing all these different things and they keep falling on their face. They keep struggling. The, apple orchards get get eaten by snails and this happens here and this is happening and they end up building this ecosystem that is like this hamster wheel that just works and every single different part has to work together to make it work i think our government really needs to look at that type of uh, of of economic structure as an example because what we're doing right now 
as we're, we're separating the wealthy from the poor and eliminating our middle class. And it's not how you're going to have a thriving economy. You need all facets to make the economy really turn and crank. And the, the things like with the first round of the PPP, all going towards the big businesses that had the relationships and loans with those banks, the, they're giving it to the banks to dictate. The banks are like, look, I'm going to save my own ass and I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. We're going to go and choose the people that we're doing business with because we got to make sure that we stay in business. So then they adjusted. They're like, oh God, that didn't work. But look at how many things that we're just doing right now because this is brand new for everybody. We've really got to step back and figure out a way to really bring in professionals in the sectors to really kind of make the guidelines and like you should be a part of making the guidelines for the government that are going to dictate what you're going to do for your business. I'll, I'll tell you, it's funny you say that. So if you think about it, I'm sure we probably all have the same thing, but I'm calling my friends in the industries and, and other hotel management companies and brands. I mean, we manage more Hyatt's than Hyatt. Uh, we have the most managed Marriott's, which is now Starwood as well, and Hilton's. The brands are calling us as well. So everyone's putting out the new guidelines, but we're all working together. Yeah. We're collaborating, and we're all sharing information on protocols. Like when put out their protocol. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. Vegas, where I came from before I was in San Diego, that's based on volume and number of transactions and massive crowds. It's really going to be tough in the short term there. But we're all sharing because we're all in this together. So we yeah. have to work together to survive and to consider what the new norm is going to be. And there's a lot of smart people out there. So if we're all still going to be competitive, but we're going to be intelligent yeah. and share this brain trust that we have to come up with the new protocols so we're all successful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I imagine in, in, in the fitness business, in the gym business, For it sure. has to be the same way. For sure. Like, uh, Pete, we were just talking about this. The one thing with BBP that is interesting that happened, how quickly people called that out. They mm-hmm. saw right through that bullshit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think what we were talking with Pete earlier is that um, this is the closest attention people have been paying attention to the government right now. You know, so they, they see right through that. And all of a sudden you see all these companies forced to turn that money back just because it would be a PR nightmare for these companies. So like from that perspective, it was a good thing that, that people are so involved. I think people have never been more educated on between federal to state policy mm-hmm. than now. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we're tracking. I've never seen watched news that much in my life, you know, mm-hmm. and just figuring out how it's all navigating between the, the different branches of government. And just in general, this structure of United States is very unique. I don't think a lot of people understand that this is one of the few countries where you have multiple states, basically where you have multiple countries within one country that mm-hmm. can dictate whatever they, you know, they seem that is necessary, right? It's kind of crazy because now I'm following federal guidelines, I'm following state guidelines, and then I'm tracking our local guidelines. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique situation compared to any of the, any other country. Majority of other countries that we see, you know, once they roll out those guidelines federally, that's it. Yeah. That's the whole country, you know, for us, you know, between every di- different state. So for you, Matt, I can only imagine um, having managing hotels in different parts of uh, United States got to be like vastly different, right? Yeah, we communicate every day the newest, latest updates and, and literally just take the state of California, the dramatic variance from Northern California, the cities there all the way down to Southern California and even Orange County to San Diego now mm-hmm. in the past two weeks with the changes. So it's it's challenging and people are trying to do the right things, but there's so much disinformation out there or literally it'll change on a dime. So it's um, it's it's really hard. And, and because everything is constantly changing and you're not getting 
one true north for a state, let alone for a city, um, in the short term, it's it's constantly trying to stay on top of it and make the right decisions. It's it's hard to game plan when you don't have a date. As a business owner, like it's practically oh, it's, impossible, right? Because yeah. you're, we, we basically have a plan A to plan Z because you really don't know which way it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's frustrating, you know, because I'm all for, you know, fighting every single day once I know what I'm fighting for. Right now, I have no idea oh, uh, which way point. we're going to go, you and know. The, and the, the, the only two things we all know we're fighting for is keeping our teams and our customers safe. And the second thing is we're not even looking at profit anymore. You're losing oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all about cash. 100%. Yeah. Right? I just want to keep yeah. the hamster wheel going. Right. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I, I'm curious about um, insurance. What are you doing about your insurance policies? Like, have you... Have you guys submitted claims? Um, have you looked at like jumping on the class action boat? Um, you know, it's it's really interesting. So early on, you have all these ownership groups asking about business interruption insurance. And by the very basis of business interruption in the short term, you know, you're hearing back from all the insurance companies, this, this isn't business interruption. The longer this goes on, I think the more opportunity there is that it really is business interruption. Um, so you can follow these claims, you can work that, then they're going to ask you questions, insurance companies. Remember, you're dealing with multiple different ownership groups. Right. Um, but let's say it was business, business interruption, because it very well could be. Could these insurance companies pay out every business that, I mean, it's, it's your mind just keeps going and going and going, because if one decision's made, what is the reaction of that decision? It like, has to fall back to the government yeah, to it, back that. It does, but as a business... You have to look at every opportunity where it makes sense to say, I'm paying this insurance. This is my business interruption. I'm going to try to get business interruption insurance and then answer their questions. But that's so far down the road of what the insurance companies are going to say back to all these different businesses. I don't know, but there's been a lot of business in, uh, interruption insurance claims been put in, but uh, who knows what the answer will be. I, I was mentioning before we came on the air I had one of my auto insurance companies just send me a proactive email and saying, we really appreciate all the years you've been with us. We know you're not driving. Right. Um, <laughs> you have a 25% credit on your next bill. Um, and we'll take this month by month. The emotional connection and appreciation I have for that. Yeah. I, I am, I'm ecstatic. I didn't even make a phone call. Meanwhile, I have um, my sister-in-law book two suites for my brother and and her and myself going to Miami. I wasn't even staying in my hotels for free for a wedding, which of course had to get canceled, but the hotel had to close because they mm. all shut down. Right. And she booked through a third party and they won't even respond. When they respond, they say, yeah, we don't get your money back. We have a no cancellation policy. I'm like, here is the, 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 uh, the stay at home order. Here is the closure of the hotels, essential travelers only. And here's the website of the hotel. It's closed over these dates. And so they're not doing the right thing. What they're doing is actually illegal. I just don't have the time because I'm supposed 100%. to deal with it, but I will. But my point is you have the, the certain organizations that are really doing the right thing because we're all in this t- together. Then you have the other side where these people, because they're worried about cash flow, are doing the absolute wrong things and taking advantage of people. And so we're going to see a lot more of that. And how do you manage through that? I, I personally, I think a lot of that is going to come to light during this time. People are going to recognize the ones that, how they act. I personally, for my employees, um, per, you know, through my group that we operate 122, um, were, you know, essentially, you know, furloughed and, um, some of them were like, man, I totally get it. We understand. Some of them were, were awful. We, we had restaurants, um, you know, we, we bounced payroll. Um, so everything closed and we run 
cash flow. So we had, we had purchased a ton of food the week that a lot of this had happened. Mm. And so then we count on that next week to make sure that we're, our payroll is going to be fine. And, and it's just a cash flow problem. So I'm not thinking that we're going to have a coronavirus uh, pandemic and everything's going to get shut down. Right. So we pay, buy all that food. And then this happens, then payroll comes and we end up bouncing a number of checks. The, I wrote a long letter to everyone. Here's what's going on. Very, very vulnerable, very open. Here's what's up. If you have an issue, uh, let me know if you can make it great. Hang tight. We'll make sure you get paid. If you can't contact me directly, we'll make sure that you get taken care of. And we don't want anyone to, to, uh, to have to struggle. Some people handled that really well. Others handled it awful. And Mm -hmm. I pay attention to that. And, and I know that everyone wants me to hire every single person back, but I look closely at how you act in a time like this. And I know that it's stressful and I know that it's hard. Um, the ones that handle it with grace are the ones that to me can handle adversity with composure. And Mm -hmm. that is a key component to people that I want to surround myself with. And it's, I can't, you know, we talked about service the last time we were, we were talking and I wish, you know, I could be the server every single time. And, and you know, how, how was your food? And it was like, ah, it was okay. We're like, Whoa, let's, let's fix that. Let's make that better. What's, you know, what's your flavor profile? What can we do? I can't translate that to every employee as Mm -hmm. easily as I wanted to, right? That's the hard part of ownership and scale, but you, you can build culture and values that, that set your company guideline and how you act during these times. Tell me a little bit about how you act when we're busy or it's chaotic or someone's rude or this, this thing doesn't happen. So I've been paying very close attention to not only in my own house, but then people that I do business with people that we're ordering food from come and saying, we're not going to, they're going to hold us hostage to get food. We're not going to give you this food unless you give us cash today. You know, mm-hmm. it's so funny you say that. So we had a couple of vendors put us on a credit hold. We were not really late at all. Yeah. And at, for the hard rock. And I had to call this guy and I said, Here, here's, here's the check number and it's cut. And here's the volume that we've done with you up until now. So we had two options. Option A is you release the food um, and, and take care of it, and your check will hit your account by Friday at the latest. Option B is I cancel this check, and you never do business with me again yep. or my organization. And trust me, um, I, I will do everything I can to make sure you don't do business with any of yeah. my companies, any of my hotels, because we've been a great client, and I'm showing you I've already cut this check, mm-hmm. and it's not that late. <clears throat> and I get cash flow as an issue. I'm good for my word, and I'm showing you the check. They picked the right option, option yeah. A, but I would have cut them off in a heartbeat and and done everything I can because we're all, that's what I say, we're all in this together. Yeah. Let's be reasonable. And everyone handles their own. We don't know what people are dealing with. Right. We don't know if they have a sick family member, if they're in debt already. But how you act says everything about you as a human being and who you are. Everyone handles it differently. Right? Yeah. That you, you can teach how to serve. You can teach how to check someone in but you can't teach someone who really cares and treats others the right way. Yeah. And that's a reflection on our brand and who we are as a business. That's our success. Right. Our failure. And you're right. These, these are showing true colors. I think it's checking people. everyone, this thing. Yeah. I think it's checking yeah. everyone, companies, people, employees, you know, so it's, and it's a good check for your culture too. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if you have all of a sudden, you know, that uh, famous uh, restaurant owner that got PPP, but then he said none of his employees are coming back. Uh, to PPP. So he's like, I don't know what to do with the money. Mm. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Right. So, the, and it's going to happen a lot to your point, Matt. Right. So it's going to happen to where people are making more money than they are where 
to come back to work. Which that's, is kind of, we, we opened yesterday and we, we offered a number of people to come back. There were a few that were like, you know what? I, I think we're going to stay at home. I just, you know, I'm worried about my mom and all that stuff. And you, and you feel for that person. And then you find out mom lives in Connecticut and you're like, this person just would rather have the unemployment than come back there, to work. There, there, there are a lot of different stories, right? So it's like, I know for, for a fact, for some of our staff, they actually have people that live with them that are potentially concerned, for yeah, sure. concerned and totally get it. But I do know for a fact that there's some companies out there and some employees that are going to be collecting and not coming back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's really unfortunate, but at the same time, it's a really, I'd rather not have someone that like that work for me because I care about that culture a lot. Right, for sure. And you know what I loved is the fact that once we did receive PPP and I let my managers know, majority of our, my managers are like, listen, don't worry about paying me. I'm just going to keep collecting unemployment, but I, whatever I can do to volunteer work for the boxing club, I'm going to do it. I don't yeah. care. You know, and that's amazing. And granted we didn't go that route and the, obviously legally they have to collect PPP, but just the that fact that they means a lot. And they started that. So we were shut down March 16th. Half of my managers were basically like, listen, I'm, I'm just volunteering my time. I want to make sure that we get through this. We make sure that we cancel all of our members or freeze memberships and everything else. And the mm-hmm. cool thing that we did, we actually ended up uh, using a texting software to uh, text all of our members let, uh, the first month that it happened, right? Yeah. Because we didn't know how long this thing is going to last. Hey, you can opt in or opt out from getting charged. Just so you know, if you're going to opt in into getting charged, we greatly appreciate it. And, and we're going to give you a complimentary training session. But on top of that, we just want to let you know that that's going to go directly to our staff. And I cannot tell you how many members that's opted fantastic. in into getting cool. charged, which was like 60, 70% uh, on the first mm. and 15 bill date. And that was amazing. And the ones that opted out, I can't tell you how many positive messages we got. They're like, listen, I just lost my job. I freaking love TBC. You guys are amazing. As soon as I get a job, I want to make sure I support you. That's insane. To yeah. me, you know, and that's the culture that we created that uh, 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 it gives me goosebumps. You know, like it's it's amazing that that it's 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 so much beyond just fitness. You know what I mean? Totally. It's a really culture like family feel, you know, and, and that's the hope of going through this. Right. That people are realizing, A, let's be present because. We, we're multitasking, and before you know it, you wake up, and by the time you go to bed, you don't even know what happened in the day. You were just working and, 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 yeah. and just, you know, just drinking water out of a fire hose. Now people are being more present because that's how to actually think, connect with people. We understand the importance of family. Yep. I just wanted to be back here by my dad. Heaven forbid something happens. Yep. He has nobody here, so now I'm close by. And But also our friends. Like, we miss, I mean, we got on a, it was going to be just a, hey, what's up? And we're going to get together on, on Wednesday and have a conversation. We were on the phone for almost an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, you miss the connections and talking about things that aren't artificial. And I, I think the humanistic aspect of it and realizing how much the things that are important aren't things, mm-hmm. like people, right? And health, yeah. you know? And, and so at the end of the day, I guess what my hope, I think all of our hopes coming out of this is we don't like go back to the way life used to be from the standpoint of not appreciating what we have, our health, our friends, and our family. Because the whole reason you go to work is to make some money so you can provide for your family, have yeah. a quality of life, and, and, and gain experiences if you can go on a vacation. Well, do you, do you guys notice that all of a sudden all of these non-problems no, no longer exist on social media or media, right? All yeah. of a sudden, all these factual non problems that we had are non problems. Mm-hmm. You no, no one ever talks about this anymore. It's about to your point, friends, family, 
just people close to you. It's like back to bare basics. You know what I mean? And I love that. I love that. That's the one thing that positive thing came out of this is oh. it's really putting things in perspective. What actually matters. I think um, about my kids uh, and it, it almost makes me feel like bad because I'm busy and I make it a point to be around and in front of people. Cause I truly believe that opportunity comes when, when people, when you come to their mind, when an opportunity arises and they go, Oh, let me, let me call that person. I just saw them. And so I, I really try and do a great job of that. But at the same, and what happens though, is that, you know, you miss, you miss dinner and you miss certain things with your kids. So now I'm home all the time. Mm-hmm. I go down to the office. Like today, my, my daughter's like, well, where are you going? When are you going to be back? Like, you know, and she FaceTimes like every 30 minutes and she wants to know what's going on. She like, when we get back from this, my kids right now, like they're, they're kind of like, think this thing's kind of cool because they're around dad all, all the time. And uh, so I have eight and five year old and they're like, it is awesome. Like, so we're doing guitar and music and singing. And I'm like the PE teacher and musical <laughs> arts. My wife's like actual curriculum, um, poor thing. But like, that has been amazing. Uh, I feel like I've connected with my kids, um, in a complete, with my family, everyone in a completely different way. Um, because we're home together and doing board games for the first time. Like my kids have never played monopoly and taught my, you know, or teaching my daughter how to play chess right now, my older one. And I don't think we had done a board game since like Thanksgiving. That's like one time a year for us. And now we're doing them almost every night or every other night. So there are some amazing things that have come Not to mention this. your new fitness and routine. then my Peloton routine. I mean, basically <laughs> I should be sponsored by Peloton, but I'm not yet. Uh, he was sponsored by the boxing club and he chose yeah. not to come in. And uh, <laughs> it took a coronavirus uh, to, to get this get guy on the back bike. on it. Yeah. I'll but, tell you what, from, from an old guy, I'll yeah. tell you this. My daughters are now 25 and about to be 21. My, my youngest being from Vegas before San Diego, I took my, my oldest when she turned 21 and 21, 21 year olds to Vegas and they had the VIP treatment. It was an amazing experience for them. That's awesome. So my youngest one can't wait for it. And her birthday is next month. And she's like, oh. Dad, what do you think? I'm like, my clubs aren't going to be open. No. <laughs> I, go, but here's the deal. I didn't, I, I was here by myself for my birthday. It was me, myself and I, and like when we come out on the other side and things open up and it's safe, we're going to have a big giant gonna, party with yes. all of our friends. We're going to do it together. Date is irrelevant. It's yeah. a celebration together. But what I missed is um, I did what you did. I'd leave first thing in the morning. I'd come home late at night. The kids would be sleeping. And, and now, before you know it, a year goes by like that. Yeah. There's a country song called Don't Blink. Yeah. And the older you get, the faster it goes. But what you're getting to do right now, because in our industry, one of the downsides of it, especially when you're um, so fully encompassed by it and you're yeah. so passionate about it, let alone you own it, yeah. is that you miss a lot of these things, these experiences and the kids, they don't know because that's all they know how right. dad's not around yep. when you're back they have the best time. Hopefully as you go through this and you're opening up, it's our business is always going to be a lot of work, yep. but now you're cognizant because I became cognizant of it way too late mm-hmm. and I missed all that. So now what I do with the girls is once a year, I'm like, where in the world do you want to go? Yep. Last year was Spain and mm-hmm. I buy the tickets. I set everything up and we have the best time of our lives but you're getting it while the kids are young. So I'm telling you as the old guy, like yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah. I wish I would have figured that out while my kids were your age. It's awesome. You can never get it back. No, it's amazing. I, for me, I feel like I, I don't think my daughter would let me go back to the other way. She, she would crush <laughs> me. 
and uh, which is great. And I, it's, it's been, it's been really cool and it opens your eyes to uh, really some things that really matter the most. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause in my head, I justify it through, I'm doing this for them. I'm trying to build something that is, that is theirs when they're done or that can provide whatever they want to do. So that, so that to me, success is doing what allows you to be who you naturally are. Right. But it's not that simple. It sounds great to say, but at the end of the day, I want to be the dad that provides comfort level to my kids so that they can go and do whatever makes them feel like they're doing what they naturally are. And you justify that, but then you come back and at the end of the day, they don't really care about that stuff. They're not thinking about, they want right now and life is happening right now. No one ever said on their death that they wish they would have yeah. four hours. So right. Like yeah. Right. And there, I mean, for you specific, there's something to be said, the time you're spending now, you said you used to have the thought process of, working and building the business was for their future so mm-hmm. down the road. Now realizing what you're doing with them now, that's for the future too. The mm-hmm. time you're spending, yeah. you know, the habits you're creating, the new routines that you weren't doing before right. that you just kind of get so focused. And I think you're just wired that we're all wired that way. You want to think so long-term future yeah. oriented for them. Like, Oh shit, you know, someone just throwing the ball outside right. that has a future impact as well. For sure. you, know? Well, yep. you know, what's interesting is, you know, I've always been into I read a lot of really great books and now Audible a lot because, you know, I spend a lot of time traveling. But re- I love really great quote spiritual, mind, body, and soul. And it's easier to understand it intellectually than it is spiritually. But I love posting really cool stuff. And I used to say all oh, this stuff, and my, my oldest daughter would just roll her eyes and, and um, uh, just kind of laugh and be like, oh, Dad's annoying. And now she posts or she'll send me private messages and I'm like, I'm so proud of her because they actually do listen to you. Yeah, they do, yeah. (laughs) But it's absolutely amazing. And then, again, being away from them because they're in Phoenix and Tucson, I remember a few years ago I told my daughter kind of harshly she was really overweight and I'm like, I'm really overweight too. And I said it a little harsher. And she hung up on me and wouldn't talk to me for weeks. And and, and, But now... I, I got her into, she joined a gym, I paid for it, and then one-on-one training. And and she is maniacal about it. And then a couple months ago, she said, Dad, will you keep paying for it? I'm like, nope. I'm like, she's like, why? I'm like, because you're committed to it now. And by you paying for it, you're going to be even more committed. Mm. It's like she's yeah. so, but I'm so happy about it because That's we're awesome. able to have these conversations about things that you don't know when you're younger. Like, if you're not healthy, if you don't eat well, if you don't work out, yeah. Nothing else matters. And to get that at a young age, and I went about it like a dumb guy, and, yeah. and I would have done it differently. But I'm so friggin' proud of her and tell her that all the time. And you've got this opportunity right now that you're taking advantage of. You're going to be with them all the way through all the different stages. Yeah. You can become adults. It's pretty cool. It's cool. It's really cool, actually. And you've got really good deals on workouts. Right I do. For That's sure. right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're definitely, uh, all of our messaging once we get out of this is going to be the most important time for you to join a gym. Without mm-hmm. a doubt, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why it's, I find it kind of silly that, you know, gyms were pushed into phase three for California. And yeah. I think gyms are very much essential. And you know, uh-huh. the other piece of that, I agree with you that people don't, some people realize it is it's not just how you look, it's how you feel, but it's your psyche and your spiritual and, and you walk with the, your energy level. It's like everything. It's it, the, how you look is the last thing. It should be the last thing. It's mental health. Unfortunately, yes. that's what people mostly talk about. Right. right. But the reality is the mental and just overall how you feel. It has nothing to do with looks, you know, and just just your immune system, uh, your that's immune right. system support. And right now, between the psychological and the support of your immune system, by far, joining gyms is the most important thing you mm-hmm. can do. Um, and, you know, that's basically the message that we're going to be pushing, uh, drumming the 
drum on that. Yeah, I might have been talking to you about that because I, I think people are going to come once we're back full blown. Their immune systems are all at the absolute rock bottom. And we're going to have people get sick because you think about it. We've been staying away from other people, which is our way of hurting any immunities or getting new bacterias. We've been over sanitizing, over washing, over everything. And, and the, I mean, the worst is quarantine or staying at home. You're going to have people come out, whether it doesn't have to be a gym, it could be anywhere. Yeah. Like I got sick during this and I haven't Just been, sick in, I haven't been yeah. sick in years. Yeah. And, and even to the point, I don't think it's been 10 years since I got antibiotics. I got antibiotics two weeks ago. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And I realized, oh shit, my immune system right now mm -hmm. is the absolute lowest it's ever been. So people are going to step out of their homes and go back to restaurants, go back to bars, <laughs> go back to this phase three or phase four, and they're going to get sick left and yeah. right, which th there should have been some sort of alternative and it doesn't help not having parks, beaches, anywhere like you, you couldn't exercise that we've, we've eliminated every possible way to stay he as healthy. As oh, well, and just in general, the way the health system is set up in the United States, it's not uh, uh, proactive, it's reactive. Mm -hmm. I, I'm yet to see a doctor that is going to prescribe to you versus any drugs be like, dude, freaking get on a treadmill, mm -hmm. exercise, you know, sweat a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, be, and then, you know what, come back to me in a month and then we'll talk. Totally. That's what should happen. You know, and, and it's unfortunate that, again, it's back to the same thing. We're not having this conversation. It's just nothing but fear, fear, fear. But like, okay, what are you guys uh, prescribing? What are you suggesting for people? How should they boost their immune system? Or how should they change their diet? You know, mm -hmm. they're not talking about the fact that a lot of people are suffering and dying because they're, they're obese. You totally. know, yeah. the, the sugar content, the fast food, all that stuff and lack of exercise. That's what's going to happen. What do you expect? No mm -hmm. one is having this conversation. It's freaking pissing me it, off it's really, there's a lot of it's fear it's gonna driven. be the most important thing that is completely overlooked yeah and you you have all this funding for all these other areas but really for physical fitness nutrition there should be government funding for that because that's going to make the country more successful and decrease all these illnesses and like you said all these people that are in the the class of demographic that is susceptible to mm -hmm. covid a lot of that's due to their lack of taking care of themselves. This is a huge reset button for all facets of life, P personal, uh, professional. I think there's a lot of things that we did personally that were, that were gluttonous. I think there's a lot of things that we did in business that were gluttonous. And I think like hospitality was obviously, I mean, it was so saturated. I mean, it got to a point that's kind of out of control mm. and the way to combat that saturation was we're going to throw a bunch of money at it and build this bright, shiny thing that's going to grab everyone over here. And that's not a great long-term business plan for any business, but that's what mm -hmm. the hospitality industry was, was trending to for, for restaurants at least. And you probably see it in the hotel side and gym side too. This is a huge reset button for everybody. And I think when we come out of this, it's going to really be the ones that, that really um, take methodical, slow, smart steps um, towards their business um, that are going to make it out of this thing. And, and we're not, there's not enough information out there that focuses on the positive. That's like news article on, okay, here's how you should try and keep your business alive. Here's some things that you should be doing. It's just like a ton of negativity. We have a thousand restaurants in San Diego County, roughly that have the type 47 food and liquor license, right? 700 of those roughly are closed right now. They estimate 350 to 435, 40% of those are not going to reopen at all. I was just going to ask you that, what your personal opinion is on, on, on that. There's going to be a ton. There's, 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 because so many people started, you can go buy a restaurant for a couple hundred grand 
and open it up and get it going and do that. And if you're an accountant that feels like your life is going nowhere, or you're, you're a lawyer and you're like sick of doing this trade area, or you're, you're doing something that doesn't make you happy. A lot of people go, I'm going to go do this because I can be my own boss. And the level of entry to that is not, it's not crazy, right? So you go and do this thing and you get into it and you're like, this is disastrous. This is so difficult. There are so many cases out there in the restaurant industry like that, that they're going, you know what? I'm done. This was crazy. I don't know why I did this. There's going to be a lot that just say, you know what? This isn't, this isn't for me. I'm not going to go into this. Better than anyone. Everyone wants to own a restaurant, a lounge yeah. because they go to them. They're fun, but it's so, it's such hard work. I it's mean, such hard 24 work. 24 by 7 is crazy. But the other thing is, and then you add the factor of the state of California right. as an employer, the cost of doing business here is so astronomically it's crazy. high. Mm-hmm. And then when they changed, you know, the minimum wage, but for tipped employees too, I mean, that put a bunch of businesses out of, out of business. Not to mention legal, right? That's right. And the, the legal, I mean, you, your bartender can make $400 in a night. I got to pay him the same as my dishwasher who doesn't right. get to make it, that it's, amount. It's just, it's, it's insane. It's not well thought out, but the margins in these, these restaurants are so small. And every time they pass a new law requirement, they're putting more of them out of business. Now you take this and what we're going through. It's, it's my, but that's gotcha. what I'm saying. So what realistically can a restaurant handle? with these kind of margins, what can a restaurant handle as far as guidelines? I don't, you know, honestly, aside from the fact that the traffic is already going to be decreased, right? Yeah. So it's like, what realistically? I, I don't think, again, we don't know what's coming at yeah. us. But to, to, as long as you can get a thermometer to make a standard of taking the temperature of all your employees is really no big deal. It's no additional cost. Yeah. You know, to make sure you have the proper PPE and you, you follow the proper sanitation. There's companies out there that are selling products that, A, they're touting that they're, they're, making and fabricating what they do or they have the qualities they have but they're well above what you need to do to sanitize your spaces and they cost five times as much so we're going to have to settle into how do we sanitize and stuff we know that right now yeah that's not that much more expensive the big question for me and jimmy you know better than i do but is how many people and how fast and and i can give you my opinion how that's going to look is if you don't drive x amount of revenue and covers you can't make it. So to me, it's more of how fast can it come back to get the revenue you need to cover your fixed costs, your rent and things like that, your insurance, Mm -hmm. your, your, your expenses. For us, I mean, if you think about it, we open for lunch on a lot of places when really in reality you lose money, but you do it because you got to have and keep employees around. Right. And so some need this schedule here and this day there, and you need that time during the, to prep for the evening and the busier times that you have. And, and so you make it work and you do them because they're part of your master plan. So then you get in and and then you get your restaurant busy and you you start to realize I really only am making money in a three hour window of a day. That's when I actually get to make my dollars. If you take that, when you take that away, you've taken away all opportunity to make money. Now, now you're a mom and pop owner. You own one restaurant. I don't know how you're going to do it. I get to spread my costs amongst five different venues with, I get one guy here, one marketing team here, web designer here. I've got this team that I get to spread across five different restaurants to help me allocate my costs more efficiently. I don't know how in the world you'll do this uh, as a mom and pop. It's going to be hard for me to do it. I probably won't be able to make money. And again, like we said earlier, I'm not, I don't care about the profitability right now. I care about staying alive. And so my, all of my energy is focused on just keeping the hamster wheel turning. There's, there's a, there's a tough uh, situation coming for a lot of business owners out there. Um, this whole thing is not built for the entrepreneur, unfortunately. Um, so we've got to f- figure out how to be creative and, and, uh, 
it's going to be tough. I well, don't know. Those, those that are true are going to be still figuring this out and fighting through the, this is going to check the, the, the ones that, that put entrepreneur on their Instagram and the ones that are <laughs> well, fucking true entrepreneurs. And I told you before, I, I hate using that, that, that term because it just been fucked up by social media, yeah, totally. but this is checking everyone so hard because like I get some phone calls from other business owners that are like, you know what? I'm ready to fight this thing. Bring it on. Let's go. I'm going to get creative. And then others that call me, they're like, dude, I don't know what to do. It's over. Like, did yeah. you see the news and everything else? And that's it. You have just two types, mm-hmm. one way or the other way. And it's so funny, like to your point, like the, the true ones are going to figure it out and they're going to, it's not even for profit. Like you said, for your employees, for the, the fact that this is your pride, right? Like you, you build something, you, you dedicate your whole life to it. Like I'm going to give it all. I'm not just going to close doors. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm until the wheels fall off, you know, it's you're going to see the difference will be someone who's doing it because it's just a way of life. Like for me, the grind is a way of life. It would yeah. just feel weird if it wasn't there. I can't, I need it. I want it. I want the fight every single day. There are some that are doing it because it seemed like a good investment or a good idea, not because it's their way of life. And that I think is going to be tough. If it's not your way of life, doing this stuff's going to look pretty dumb. It's going to, it's not who you, if it's not in your DNA. And by way of life, you mean like masochist because like you, you, you can't possibly get into it, whether it's gyms, restaurants, hotels, without knowing the fact that it's, is just, you're getting hit in the face every Every single single day day, and you kind of enjoy it, you know? And then that's the crazy thing. So it's like the, the opening a restaurant and thinking it's going to be really sexy and romantic, you know, like that's not the case. If you're, if you're a restaurateur and you're operating them or owning gyms, it's a grind and you have to enjoy it. It's exactly right. And we're fortunate though. Yeah. I I always say I've worked three people's lifetimes. I mean, my average hours a week, you know, starting at a very young age was a hundred hours. No, no one's same. Like, what are you doing? But I, I, most days I absolutely love doing it. Now from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I keep saying the new norm. We, we have to look at things completely different. And I keep saying nimble. You got the short term, take hotels. We're not going to be valley parking anyone's car in any time in the near future until we have more knowledge. And we know That's interesting. I didn't even think, think about, about that. that. Yeah. First of yeah. all, do you want someone in your car? So, yeah. I've got a hotel that has uh, <laughs> residence components, things like that. And the residence side wants valet still. I'm like, are you insane? Like, first of all, I don't want anyone in my car. And, and he's been in other that's million right. other cars, right? So yeah. It makes no sense. So yeah. I'm cutting that out. We That's are cutting that out, right? Yeah. In the short term, it's going to come back. Yeah. It's a revenue stream. Yeah. It's a service we want to provide. But if you can't provide it safely, now there are protocols. You can put this thing down and you do this. And you have, so that's insane. It's insane. Here's a garage. Go park yourself right now. I'm really sorry. Yeah, we're still a four and a half star hotel or a five star. But it's just not an option to valet right now for your safety and our staff safety, right? That's short term. Then you have things that could be long-term, right? Like, do you really do room service? Do you really go into rooms or have a really great market or a grab-and-go or a knock-and-drop where you order, we knock on your door and put it in front mm. and it's pre-packaged? Same thing with buffets. Mm-hmm. Think about rooms. You check into a hotel now, and I don't see this changing anytime soon. As we were going into this, we collaborated and said, we are not cleaning stayovers, meaning after you check in, your room is not clean. And, and you mm-hmm. get a clean room. You can get more towels. She's yeah, you can request some right. stuff, yeah, but no problem. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. That's right. And and by the way, when I go to a hotel, I put a DND on. I don't want anyone in my room. Right. You know, for a million different reasons. You think that's going to be Vegas? You think that's going to be like national practice probably? I believe this will yeah. be the new norm. Now, yeah. having said that, 
not a hundred percent. Yeah, of but course. But for the foreseeable future, I don't know. I think the majority of people, and we've had no pushback early on in this thing before we got to where we're at today. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to give you a certified clean room. It's sanitized in your good shape. It's going to be stocked well. But I'm not going to clean your room during your stay. And if there is, in the short term, there's going to be a protocol. And as things get safer with more knowledge, then the protocol will change. The other thing is I'm not going to have glassware in any room in the short term. I'm going to have disposable single wrap mm-hmm. cups. Yep. Mm. You, things that you never thought mm-hmm. twice about have to change. So back to your point about being entrepreneurial and, and creative we have to look at every one of our businesses completely different. And what we used to say, that's bad service. Actually, that's not bad service anymore. This is what our customers expect and they need and we want. You have to innovate. Yeah, we, Everything on our tables are, are off. You want soy sauce or things or whatever, we give them the individual packets to you that are wiped and done. That's what we're going to do. Silverware, chopsticks, all going to be packaged, delivered, nothing on the table anymore. All of that's going to change. My one thing, I'm curious to see what you thought to me, one thing I wish that I would be able to do is offer the ability for everyone to get a test that works for me. Like when you have the mass amount of people that you have, wouldn't that be an incredible asset to just go, okay, we as a company can provide and buy a test. You do the thing and you mail it into here. We'll do this. We'll provide that. Have you had any discussions with anyone about that ability? Like we we just sent out trillions of dollars couldn't we have spent trillions of dollars on making tests, yeah, which we, would be give mm-hmm. us information and allow us to. It's, inc- it's incredible. So one of the largest brands out there, um, and we're all trying to survive, right? They cut 80% of their corporate support staff. Think about that. 80% is wow. a massive organization. Our organization has made some cuts, not significant. We all, we all, you know, took some haircuts as we should yeah. to get through this. But we thought this way. We want to make sure we have the resources to help our, our properties, our teams, and our ownership groups and our development groups. One of the positions that we created was um, uh, basically a government affairs executive officer who um, is a high-ranking, she was a general counsel for our organization. And she's literally on Capitol Hill, and she's in D.C. on a regular basis working with HLA and all the major brands to make sure hospitality's voice is heard Mm -hmm. in D.C. So one of the things that we would all love is to be able to do that because that gives confidence and safety and security. Um, But right now, you can't even get the number of tests that you need. I'm hoping, Jimmy, that we get to a point where we can do that, all businesses, not just hospitality, because I think that's a sense of security that we need to Mm -hmm. know. And I think it's going to be really important for everybody, not just our associates and our managers, but also our guests know that this is a protocol that we put everyone through. Yeah. I have a random question here in the valet part that I never thought about, but being in restaurants, I think we talked about this when you came on before is you already live and die. And and a lot of times get butchered by Yelp. Yeah. And even in hotels too, and TripAdvisor and those, I didn't even think about valet, but there there will be people out there who, who might be offended or might not be offended by if you don't have a valet, they're offended. And if you do, they're offended as well. And in restaurants, it's going to be, you know, how do you think a message gets out there? Like, Hey, we already did have such a tough time uh, getting around the obstacles of Yelp and pleasing people and making sure our service was up to point up to standard. Now, every person that comes in is going to have a different level of behavior or what they accept as health, health standard um, and how they're coming out of COVID how do you see that? How do you see that? Sensitive stuff. I'm going to get crushed. Jimmy. I'm going to get crushed. I, I'm, I'm like, I, I, uh, 
I love Yelp in the sense that there's a platform for people to communicate and talk about what they've done and whatever. I hate the negativity that's around Yelp. Mm -hmm. To me, if Yelp could change their platform to just positive, just keep it positive, which we are, are, our society just gravitates towards negative energy. And the reason is negative energy spreads like a wildfire. Positive energy, you have to like grind and grab and build and, but negative energy can just spread. And, And for whatever reason, it's human nature. And I get all those things. If Yelp could could be a, a platform for positivity, and hey, the more positivity that you get, then the better that your place is. Mm-hmm. To me, is is something that I think social media really. If we could take that guideline and just really catapult media and and digital um, uh, messaging and all of these things and change it to positivity, mm-hmm. ah, I think you'd I think you'd get the same results. Um, Unfortunately, this is not going to happen. So I'm just wondering, though, is it and for hotels, too, is you're going to have a whole new category of complaints now. This, this I, is I think there should be public existed. service announcement. If you leave a Yelp review to a business that has been affected by COVID-19, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that like, too like on, on, honestly, honestly, like your 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 credit score should be dinged like 100 points <laughs> for fucking doing and that. It will happen. Piece of shit. It will like, happen. You know what? Screw and it this will place. Happen. No, for sure. You're doing all these health protocol yeah. things. It's bullshit or yeah, no screw this the place it, it could they didn't do yes. it oh well, for sure but, but here's yeah. what here's the way i look at it first of all i look at myself in the mirror and i go to bed knowing i, I did the 100 right we all make mistakes mm-hmm. if you do what's right you have to be if i always say if everyone loved me i wouldn't be doing my job the other aspect is before this ever happened i call these individual social terrorists okay if you don't give me a comp room i am gonna blast you i'm like go for it Mm -hmm. I have people will come in and if we make a mistake, I will overcompensate because we're in the hospitality. That's right. Of course, mistakes are going to happen. If Mm -hmm. if we've done wrong, we will fix it. But if you walk into my business and abuse my staff, there's the door. And all of a sudden their tone changes. But these people that go and they're social terrorists. One of my hotels had a mommy blog review. Oh, it was horrendous. (laughs) <laughs> everyone wanted a free room and everyone had a rat in the room. I'm making things up. But I mean, it was, it was mm-hmm. horrendous. Mm-hmm. My point is, is that that's never going to change. Yeah. But in yeah. this time, I think the general public, for the most part, will respect and understand we're trying to keep everyone safe in the new totally. world that we're in. And we had to make some changes. Does it suck that you can't tell you park for the next 90 days, whatever it is? Yeah. But can you understand it? And if you can't, I really don't want you coming to my party. And other people that probably are going to read that, they're going to put that yeah. in perspective as That's well, right? right? If sure. you see that it's a fresh Yelp review and because to your point, like something was off, like people are going to read it and be like, yeah. listen, this guy's an asshole. That's right. You know, you, you almost hope Yelp does some sort of, because they have the filters that can distinguish whether it's someone who just came on for the first time and said, I want to throw Jimmy under the bus. Yeah. Nothing to do with his property. I just want to throw him under the bus. They can put some sort of filter in place or should put, that's like if it's anything related there, and I don't know how that works. I don't know. You, how you the, the business owner, should be able to flag it. Yeah, and then and then have someone from Yelp be able to review it and That's and right. additional option <laughs> but because but it's due to COVID nineteen, maybe like that. But would you also be know a cool they're thing. probably looking at this is going to bring a lot more people to Yelp if you're in Yelp shoes. Yeah. Like now you're going to people have a new thing to complain about, and unfortunately their business is built off people complaining. That will they even do do that? Yeah, it's, well, it's built off that, and it's built off us doing our subscriptions with them, which yeah, it's sure. almost like legalized extortion. It, I, just, I just got off the phone with them right before coming in, and they charged us for both uh, April and May. And I actually was surprised how easy it was because I called them, and I, I was ready for a battle, and I said, hey, you guys out of your mind. Yeah, you guys good. are charging us for ads. And they're like, hey, listen, two options. We can go ahead and refund it, 
or we're going to prorate it towards the future months. So that was like, they didn't they did fight right it at thing. all. That's they right. did the right thing. So I kind of got to give them props for that because <clears throat> I'm not a fan at all because mm-hmm. I've been battling with them as well before uh, for some of the, you know, reviews and everything that they've been doing. And same thing with ads. Yeah. The fact that basically if you're not advertising as a business, your business is nowhere to be found. And it's kind of crazy that they're able to do that. Yeah. You know? I, I, dude, I personally, I read my, I read the Yelps. I actually kind of like it because some of them are outrageous and it's funny. Like I actually wanted, when we get out of this, one of the ways to combat it is I'm going to like, you know, they read mean tweets. I'm going to mm-hmm. read like ridiculous yes. Yelps. I love that. And, uh, and it'll be idea. kind of a fun thing that we do like uh, monthly. It'll just be like, Hey, it's, you know, this month's episode of weird Yelps. That's a really good idea. There are some cool things that Yelp, there are people who come in to have legitimate like suggestions and things that I've, I've made numerous adjustments to things based on an actually well written explanation of someone's experience. I was like, this was okay. Could have been better if X, Y, and Z happened. And you go, I see 100% of that person's perspective. That was a good Yelp. The ones that come in and they're like, F this place. It looked empty. It must suck. Screw you guys. One star. You need, it's like, that is absurd that that happens. You got to have thick skin. And, but the thing is to your point, there's some of the best advice is free from whether it's from Yelp or Mm -hmm. the trip advisor or employee opinion surveys or just meetings. My favorite thing when I was running hotels is tell me what one or two things would you do different if you were the general manager, you own this hotel and there's no way you can hurt my feelings. It's amazing. The feedback that I've gotten that because you're at a, different set of glasses you're looking through versus someone who's on the front lines. You know, I, I remember I was head of five-star resort I ran in South Florida. And uh, I remember her name, Conchetta was a bartender. I mean, they were just dressed to the nines. And she ran the bar on the 19th tee. And this, this place was just incredible. And she said, you know, there's click cleaners everywhere around the property, but off my patios when they come into my bar, there isn't any. So now I got dirt and grass all over my bar. I had click cleaners in that week. Like I didn't, I just never thought of <laughs> yeah, it. And yeah. Someone else said when I come in, cause the uniforms were so incredible. Can we have a full length mirror and just proper lighting in the, at the associate entrance? I mean, they are giving me free yep. advice with something I just didn't even think about or see. And, and same thing with a lot of our customers. And I so appreciate that. And we're always going to have the people that are full of shit. Yep. Yeah. yeah and of you got to be like, whatever. Cause I think, most intelligent people read some of that and they look at what the history and how many positive comments are. They're like, well, there's an asshole. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, and not to stay on bashing Yelp, but uh, hopefully coming out of this, people have less to complain about because they just went through two months of, yeah. of hell. But I don't think the flaws in Yelp because Yelp was just a re- review system. Like you said, a review can be positive. We just turn it into all we want to review. It's a culture. All we want to review is, is negative. So the messaging should be more, whether it's from the business standpoint or from just the general public, like, hey, all businesses right now, they could use your positive review, review now more than ever. That would so be a great campaign, actually, for Yelp. That would be a great campaign for Yelp. Let's, let's flip this around now Yelp. because we, we've technically, as the customer, uh, made, created the flaw. It, there wasn't a flaw in Yelp, you know? You yeah, for sure. Well, and I think the another thing that we're doing to combat all this is that as we kind of reopen and we do this thing, we're putting cards in the, when you check out, we're putting a card in there that's like, hey, what could we have done better? And mm. so for us, we're trying to give that customer an opportunity to voice their opinion directly to us rather than feeling like they need to leave and go and do X, Y, and Z. But I really think it's important as we come out of this because there are so many different walks of life that have so many different concerns when they go to eat that I'll never think of. Mm-hmm. I'll never in a million years be able to think of mm-hmm. what is going on through a person's mind. So to give them the opportunity to, to write, 
you know, Hey, look, I have this thing going on in my world. It would be cool if you had X, Y, and Z, just kind of like what you said. So providing that opportunity for the consumer to just, you know, just talk about things that would make them feel a little bit safer, I think will allow us to not only have things that go on forever, but also in the short term, while we go through this, it'll make everyone feel a little bit more comfortable and address that as they come in. Totally. Yeah. I think service from, from everybody, top end manager down to the dishwasher service and, and recognizing those things is going to be huge right now as yeah. far as the bounce back goes. Because yeah. before it was, I didn't get a booth versus the table. That was the, one of the bigger complaints walking in the door. And now it's going to have to be recognizing, I don't think he's he's too close to him and he's not wearing gloves are going to be all the different sensitivities across that customers are going to have coming in. But that's back to the, the overall service too for businesses, which ones that are going to stand out. Like mm-hmm. we started doing Zoom calls, to your point. We've never had Zoom meetings. Now we have Zoom meetings with all coaches for locations. <laughs> and, and it's an adjustment period. Everyone's yeah. trying to figure out Zoom etiquette and not scream all over each other, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, we start having these meetings, preparing our staff. And the, the, be, the main message that we're voicing to all of our staff is like, guys, we have to be better than ever. Because mm-hmm. um, the customers that are going to be coming in, they're already scared. They're, they are concerned about this thing, right? And just the fact that they're coming in our door is already means a lot. So we have to be hands down the best that we ever have been. Um, and I think that's really important for any business. I really, really think really good advice for any staff to really step up the, the, the quality of operation, just the, the hospitality, the making sure that you make that potential customer feel welcome. Really feel back. welcome, you know, winning and, them back. Even if they already were a member, you right. have to win them back. You have every to every single one. That's what's right. so what's so challenging about this is you know we've all been through financial downturns like two thousand eight. Yeah, that was crushing. Crush me, crush everyone. But that is transparent, and there's all this history on it. We are now in a financial situation with all this unemployment. Then DKs are going to be next, but also now you have the health aspect of it. So you add those two things together, it's so massive. So the business has to change. And the, the health aspect of it creates an exponential level of fear that we didn't deal with the financials because the financial, you can see why it happened. Logically, you go, oh, say there was a loan scandal millions mm-hmm. of years ago, and then we just had the mortgage and whatever it was. Now you're going, well, I don't even know what the answer is on the health thing. We have to wait for a vaccine. It's different. You're right. So you have the financial aspect and then the fear and the health. And so... It's, it's so monumental of how we have to work together and work together to figure out the best practices. The other aspect that we're spending a lot of time talking about, and it's be interesting how it would work in, in your industries as well, but technology. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a lot of the big brands have, you know, you can check in on your phone and use your phone to get into your room. Now, a lot of hotels still have to put back technology. you got to change locks to make sure you have the latest um, I'm a, a guy that loves living downtown. I live downtown here. I live downtown in Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. I And I always would give Mikey G a hard time about this. We talk about it. Like, during the week, I go to the gym. I want to pick my food up and go to my condo. I'm not sitting in a restaurant. But I want it easy. And I don't, I hate Uber Eats and all that crap. I don't want to give those guys I want to give them 30%. I want the restaurant yeah. <laughs> money. So I just want to be able to click what I want, go to the end of the bar, pick it up, and go back to my place. But that's technology. There's an opportunity there. So I think technology where you can create less interaction for those that want it, more efficiency and productivity, and literally, especially in urban markets, there's a lot of revenue being made, but it needs to be simple and the technology has to be yeah. out there. We're, so, we're building our own right now. Because you, of this. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to have your own platform for people to come in and go from our own app. They can order food um, for takeout. And uh, 
And, you know, obviously we don't do delivery because the liability is just too yeah, crazy. Yeah. I tried it and I talked to my labor attorney and I'm just like, oh, don't, yeah. don't, we're not delivering. Yeah. Yep. But uh, the uh, but the ability for people to order through us, um, even just the takeout through our app is huge. So we're actually building our own right now because it's just, you know, app, uh, Uber Eats has been great for this time. But when you go back to Grubhub and Uber Eats um, um, and there's the other one, whatever, uh, you look at it. The, the stuff that they're charging and then, and then they come out and be like, we're in this together. You guys aren't in this together. Oh. It wasn't until the pressure came across to them that they made adjustments um, to not charge so well, aside much. Aside from the horrible service too. And, and that's the other thing too. Mm-hmm. I, that guy, the Uber Eats guy picks up my stuff and then delivers it. Um, that guy doesn't care about my, he doesn't know my company culture and my brand and how we're going to do stuff. Like, and I don't know how he's handling everything there. If he delivers it on time, if he delivers it, sometimes they just drop it at the door and, and leave, you know, but the interesting thing is you would have never done it if it wasn't for what we're dealing with now. Same thing with us for, uh, um, same thing, technology, right? Everybody's doing online classes. Now Uh, you had huge gym brands shift to online classes. Now I still think that, uh, uh, this is a good proof that, uh, uh not everyone likes to, to work out at home because we, we're, we're actually sending questionnaire to all of our members to ask them if they would like to continue working out at home, even after gyms are open. And the chances are, they're going to say, no, they would like to mm-hmm. come to the you gym need to be around people, yeah. social aspect. And it's how you position your brand too. So the boxing club, we're all huge on social aspect. And obviously there's no way for you to learn combat arts watching YouTube videos. There is mm-hmm. no way, right? You have to get hit. You have to right. have a partner. Um, but if you had, if you're in the gym industry and you have a more of a traditional box, there will be a fitness uh, uh, industry like disruption uh, by technology and Peloton. You're, you're a perfect yeah. example of that. So mirror Peloton, uh, even probably some basic boxing themed workouts, hit interval training and all that stuff is going to become really popular. And I think this was that, that, push that they really need it. And I'm sure Peloton is probably crushing some serious I mean, I, numbers. I heard right, right now, now someone, this was like three months before they could get their, their bike. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah. And, Crazy. and what a great timing for them because they relatively showed up just recently, new, yep. new, new, new kid on the block. And now they're, they're absolutely killing it. And you see now all these other fitness brands are following them. So you have mm-hmm. all kinds of other cardio equipment, uh, uh, treadmills and, and bikes and everything that you can work out at home. But my argument is this, is that you're going to have two types of people. You have introverts and, and extroverts, right? And extroverts are still going to want to crave that social aspect. They want to come in into the gym. They want to come in into the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, how are you doing? How's your family? How's everybody? Oh, great. You know, now I come in into the workout. I'm going to hop in the class. My buddies are going to be talking shit to me because, you know, I'm not punching correctly or I'm dying, you know, mm-hmm. from hungover from the night before. And that's the social aspect that it creates. So, but if you, again, if you're not going above and beyond for your customer, you're not creating that culture, you will have a technology disruption. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're, we're thinking we're going to probably walk somewhere in the middle. We, we are looking to bring in technology for sure. We're still going to be uh, 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 mainly the gym, you know, that, that you can walk in and get a workout in, but we'll probably offer some sort of like a online training, potentially a personal training online that, um, that seems really interesting to me too. Yeah. And you're unique too in fitness because we've talked a lot and, you know, you started feeling the effects of this well before, um, a lot of us, because mm-hmm. you started having members concerned, especially you said the UTC location, you were getting freezes and cancellations, I forget UTC, the, yeah, the, okay. the rate was every day you were updating numbers and people were freezing or holding Crazy the membership numbers. going, going into this. But you're also, I know you've, you've kind of shared with me, 
you've been on calls with people who are in the fitness industry and like the brands like Equinox and other brands around there and what they're doing measures wise moving forward. And some of them are doing some extreme, extreme protocol. Like you were talking about the plexiglass and the in-between treadmills and that's, a, and, and yeah. I, and maybe that falls also in the category. So now if someone goes to a gym who, who, when they walk in the door, they have all the crazy uh, measures put up and then they go to another gym. Are they going to complain mm-hmm. because your gym's not doing it versus, versus their gym. And what I guess is, where do you fall on the line? And when you reopen, you know, when you guys were on the last week before the shutdown, you had sanitizing stations, you had everything done from like what I think we were ex- the first we ones expect. on the news for a fitness industry that we addressed it publicly rather than shying away. You remember yeah. when the thing broke out, everyone was scared to even mention it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was going out was like here and there, some posts like, hey, we're clean type thing. We went on the news and we said, listen, this is exactly what we're doing. And step by step laid out already policies and procedures that were completely different than mm-hmm. before. Right. But it is interesting point because uh, me and my director of operations, we had like a good debate, like argument over how far we want to push the guidelines, our internal ones. We're like, screw whatever the, the state is going to dictate. We want to protect our own customers. Right. Mm-hmm. But how far do you want to take that? Because as a business owner or as a business you can make it to such a nightmare experience that your customers don't even want to come back. If you're going to be uh, examining them and, and, and at the check-in and then have them fill out like a two-page questionnaire yeah. and then all of a sudden your classes are not the same, you're, I cannot use half of the equipment, uh, uh, just overall the vibe is not the same, I'm not going to come in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be rubbed the wrong way. So how far? And, and listen, there's no textbook on that. No one is an expert on this thing. You know, I'm on a number of phone calls with different fitness industry leaders, and even they don't know mm-hmm. how this thing is going to play out. But I'm more concerned about, like, how far you as a, as a company are going to push this to where it's no longer a fun experience. I would rather go run on the beach then than, than go through this a freaking crazy uh, experience of like everybody's so tense and checking everybody's temperature and everything else. So there's, there's a fine line. So I think like for us as a company, I think we're going to figure out what's the logistically like good measures that we can take that obviously protect our customers, but at the same time still have TBC somewhat looking like what TBC was before this, this thing happened, what our customers love us for, you know? So I think that's a, that's a, that's a really important Part. And the it, challenge is you, it goes in stages, right? In the mm-hmm. short term, everything's hypersensitive yeah. as we're all trying to figure this thing out. You want to go probably, yeah, you, you, you want to go a little bit more rigid and then scale back versus like start very loosey-goosey and then be like, oh, you know what? No, we should implement all these things and plexiglass and temperature checks and everything else. So we're probably going to start more on conservative side. We're, we're, I'm mentally going... Say it's June one that we can all open. I'm not going to be the guy that's like June one hits and I open my door. I'm actually going to be a little bit more cautious. Mm-hmm. I'll probably keep doing the curbside pickup and takeout even after we're allowed to do the 25% or 50% program, whatever that is, because I kind of want to sit back and really make sure that I understand how this is going and totally. working and maybe learn from a couple that week or two isn't going to make or break for me to wait and kind of learn what's working, what's not and take that data and then open up maybe a little bit smarter, I think would be better. If I rush to open and hit that and I make a ton of mistakes, I, it might be tough for me to bounce back from that. Yeah. So I think I'd rather wait and kind of see what's working and what's not, and then go and do, and then go and do that. Yeah. And we, I mean, we talked, I talked to Matt about this is we can't underrate how much we're gonna have to spend our time seeing consumer behavior. So from a health standpoint and from yeah. uh, financial, like 
is is your former regulars and your customers financially going to come in and spend the same amount on their tab or are they going to they're going to pull back and be a little more conservative or are they they've been cooped up for two months and now all of a sudden they want to buy double the drinks double the appetizers but then also on the health side you know you're gonna have people and if you did all those crazy measures with the plexiglass between treadmills how are people going to interact because they're still going to be social there's gonna be people who won't shake hands and there's gonna be people who sure. still give who I think give there's a hug balance, balance so, to everything right so watching that I think for us is gonna be the most interesting part part because all hospitality whether it's a gym a bar a restaurant a hotel is watching how people behave out of this for I mean I don't know well, how long yeah you what's, know? It, what's interesting about it we spend a lot of time talking about this of course we have a lot of hotels all over the place you're gonna start seeing weekend travel go higher in drive markets um, we're already seeing that extended stay is a lot higher occupancy, but take our resorts in Napa. Um, right now, there's no real travel going on there, but when the restrictions get loosened, you are within driving distance of very high income um, demographic in San Francisco Bay Area and in Northern California. And you're also in mm. one of our resorts is 99 cottages spread out. It's absolutely amazing where you can get there, but you're, you're kind of private. Yeah. And, and to me, like, I can't wait to go there. Um, our resort in Tahoe, the landing in South Lake Tahoe, I, again, oh, I know, drive yeah. to Northern California. Yeah. These locations with the drive market business are going to really, I think, rebound faster. When you have the vertical buildings like in New York City and Chicago and some of these totally. that, that are massive thousand room up 800 rooms, it's going to take longer in group houses. We got a lot of those here in San Diego. Like, a you know you've had, I want to say it was Facebook, Ernst and Young, um, and Google. I think said the earliest they'll start traveling again. I think those with reorganizations is June of next year. And everything's kind of a wait and see. But right mm. now they've said that there's a lot of organizations that will fail to exist. The cancellations and this is a group. Our convention center right now is a homeless shelter right now. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of what we're living with. Yeah. And, and and we were going to expand that. We need to expand it. So the different cities, locations, demographics, markets, and the type of business you do, I'm just talking about hotels and resorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to vary dramatically. So there isn't like this is when it's going to come back. I mean, it's going to vary. And then, heaven forbid, if there's a resurgence come fall, mm-hmm. All bets are off of what's going to happen. So that's the other challenge about this. There isn't, you're going to see it all just come back. It's going to really vary by your customer base, your location, what you're adjacent to. People, some people will never fly again for a really long time. Some companies won't put their people on planes for a while and it will start ramping up again. Like these are all things to be determined. Mm -hmm. No one knows the answer to that. Well, if we're talking like San Diego specific, for example, PB. And if you own a bar in PB, I am fairly confident based on what I'm seeing on the news right now and how uh, they bum rushed the uh, Orange County and, the, you know, 40,000 people at the beach. And uh, there was a restaurant on the news that they reached full occupancy in like a matter of hours. Some restaurant that opened despite the orders. PB would not care. I just don't see any reason that PB, if you're opening a bar in PB or a restaurant, I think it's going to be madhouse because I went there last weekend and I couldn't believe how many house parties I saw Same. where it was like kids playing beer pong and drinking and everything else. So I, I think to your point, absolutely. I think it all going to depend on first of all, the company, the business and that area that they're in. 
um, for you, I'm sure, right? I You're going to have a I big difference. Valley, the same restaurant, Carmel Valley, Valley and yeah. PB. Yeah. The energy is night. It's not even the same, yeah. not even mm-hmm. the same thing. Not even the same so program. then wouldn't you suggest that as a business owner, small business owner, that you want to potentially go after a specific segment of a customer, at least for now, um, in order to compensate for the, the, the maybe more traditional segment of customers that you, that you have. So for me, what I'm like, say you get to open and and we do it for PB, you have to be careful because that like opening up and it getting crazy could have a negative impact on all your other brands. And so it's, it's a very difficult type of thing. And that's why for me, I'll probably actually wait to open. And I think people will be frustrated at me, but I'll wait a week or two. and, And that won't, That'll be a very short term memory and will give sure. me so much information before I go, let's, let's really hit this let's thing go, get going. Yeah. And, and, and so the answer is I could open PB today and it would be absolutely asshole elbow. If I opened yeah. it today, yeah. people, it would be crazy. crazy. It would be crazy. I guarantee it would be, we have, we have people come and they're like, dude, can you just, just open the damn thing? Like mm-hmm. I need this. Like I need to get out of my house, have a social conversation with somebody like you got to open this thing. And, mm-hmm. and that's a great pressure. But in as great as it would be down there, it could cause and create and cast a ripple but, effect that could affect the, the rest of my have, companies. Like you were saying, is that you're going to have social distancing requirements. We all know through the entire country for the summer, at the very least, there's social distancing. For right? sure. And so what you don't want to be, you want to be a responsible business. And if you have all those people in there, the demographic, the younger demographic, they're the ones, I don't know if you guys saw online, uh, my brother lives in Austin. They were by a lake, and they pushed this poor security guy who was just telling these kids, hey, you need a social distance. And mm-hmm. They pushed the kid, the, the security guy in the water. I mean, it's unbelievable. The yeah. mentality of these certain demographics. Not taking it seriously. Yeah, don't yeah. take it seriously. And now you have a problem with your business and your reputation. Sure. You want to be safe. So it's really a catch-22 yeah. in PB and places like that. I think what we're going to do, uh, and I, I'm literally like – I've thought about this before, but I'm speaking about it for the first time. Like, so my staff doesn't even know, but probably what I will end up doing is doing a full reservations only type of program. And and then there'll be like, you have, like, we have to keep it strict in order to make this work. You have an hour max that you could, that's that a good idea in there. Yeah. So that way I can control my labor. I can do a controlled menu. Yeah. And then that will allow me to just kind of have the puppet strings more on what we're doing to where I can at least have projections and buy and order and do things in a way that allow me to keep a steady flow, maintain control, Mm -hmm. have data that I understand, you know, put all the safety requirements in place. And, and, and then that way I can adjust, you know, accordingly from that I'll remove all of the bar seating. Um, so that if you want to be at the bar, it's, you're going to stand and eat that's going to be probably for a while huh jimmy the bars like as far as bars that will probably be the last thing right there with event venues so i'd imagine it will be sit down and we're fortunate if you think about it think about industries like spas there's no social distancing in a spa right right? Mm -hmm. yeah we have salons you know my daughter i made her quit from phoenix a week before they closed the salon i'm like how can you be open like you're touching people and doing Mm -hmm. like it was when it was Mm -hmm. getting really bad those type of industries are really going to struggle because there's no way to social distance to provide that experience. And I feel I'm, I'm heartbroken for that. Cause I, I, I love going to spas. I, I, I need it, right. I need a deep tissue massage. So at least we have the ability to follow protocols to keep people safe. Again, it's in the short term while we're going and understanding this thing, but there's some businesses, I, I don't know how they're going to, 
survive in this. I think there's going to be probably some sort of exemptions for specific industries because otherwise, I mean, they're not going to be reopened. So they're going to have to have exemptions based on specific guidelines, maybe with social distancing, but then some additional requirements. If you want to go ahead and open a spa, you have to take these extra steps. Same thing for every single combat studio. Right. Mm-hmm. So any single combat studio, uh, San Diego has a, the largest concentration of jujitsu schools worldwide besides Brazil, you know, and I know these guys to them, this is it. That, yeah. That's all they are doing. And that's back to the point of like, if we don't work with, with, with these fitness organizations, with these companies, if the local government is not going to work with them, they're just going to open. I know for a fact 100%. they're just going to open. What else? Starting what other options do they have? Right, starting to happen. Yeah. And and so I think working with them closely now and figuring out okay, what other extra steps you guys can take uh, in order to have some sort of like a close contact. Maybe it's not rotating partners, but you only have one partner that you only work. Mm-hmm. So you only have one partner that you're only going to work for this period of time. Makes sense. So it's yeah. like rather than rotating a new partner every day. You work only with, you're assigned to this one partner and you basically can trust and that would be easy fix. I think Mm -hmm. just something like that, that I would recommend. But uh, again, you know, that's where, you know, again, working with the local business owners and, and, and getting their input on, Hey guys, what realistically we can do implement and make sure that we're not hurting your business, Mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise you destroy the whole industry. Yeah. And I think we talked about this because right now I I feel like the general perception is, is just fear of, of the coronavirus. And until we have at least two months of being open, open in business with the coronavirus existent, I told him, I don't think it's, it's apples to apples comparing. Cause right now we have two months, about two months of comparing it while we're sheltered at home, which is not realistic. So we really don't know too, how does, how does this influence our day to day until we open and we see one month, two months, do people still in two months from now, after businesses are back open, are they still as scared of it? You know, if we have more cases, what are we, how are we going to re- react now that we're not sheltering at home? What, are, how in general, not just like you, me, like how is everybody, the county, the state, the country, if cases do go back up. And I said, until we have two months of, of really seeing a realistic economy and lifestyle, we have nothing to compare well, we to. Have, we have a case study going on in Sweden, right? And, and mm-hmm. their economy. Very interesting. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I, I've watched a few interviews and segments on it. It's actually pretty impressive. They're like, look, we trust we trust, you know, our population, they trust government. And those that are in the demographic elderly or unhealthy, so they're staying at home. If you're working and you don't feel well, you call in immediately and you will still be paid. Mm. And then we're, we're opening our business. Now business is down, but we're out there living. Yeah. We didn't crush the economy. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but so far, and I, I don't even have cable since I've been back here for a month. I don't either. It's actually kind of nice, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, uh, yeah, that's a good Except for thing. we don't get to watch the last, I don't get to watch the last dance. I got to buy the app. Someone's <laughs> like, you can buy the app. And oh, watch man. Like, God, I got to do that tonight. <laughs> and you're missing it. App. Oh, you do? I got to get it. Oh, you're missing it. I got to get it. I got to get it. my point is, is that we're, we have a real life case study going on right now. now sure. There's yeah. a lot of variables in that case study, right? Their behavior, are they behaving responsibly? Is that, is Sweden more responsible? Culturally than different, culturally, right? Yeah. right? And, and there are differences, but there are some really good case studies going on right now in real life that we should. The last really article I saw, which was a week ago, that they were two weeks away from herd immunity. That's the statement by their mm-hmm. officials, which is kind of crazy. And again, I don't know what, 
um, you know, percentage variance there, right? What they mean by that. But yeah. I do think California is going through that, you know, and the, there's a number of studies that are coming out now that we had this thing for quite some time. I have never been that sick in my life as I was in December. Yep. And uh, my UTC location, the one that suffered the most is all international students. Yeah. It's all UCSD international students. Um, the chances of someone flying home and then flying back and bringing that thing over is more than likely. Mm -hmm. And a number of my staff has been never sicker uh, than it was like December, January. We hit that whole like couple of months of just my staff was gone. And uh, I'm convinced that some of them had it. And it's just, we we knew, we didn't know what it was, you know? I feel certain my daughters had it. Um, Half of my daughter's class flew for five days. Doctor did not know what to do. Took both kids Mm -hmm. to, to the doctor. Um, both were like not strep, not really sure what's going on. Never seen a flu for four or five days like this. Um, but just, you know, hang in there, kind of get it going, which makes me feel like my wife and I might be asymptomatic if that's there, but we don't know. And I was like, I'm crazy for thinking that. Um, and, but looking back, like they have cases in California dating back to late November now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you're like, damn that, if that's true, like it probably, and it spreads like it did. I, I bet you I, was around. I, I honestly believe that to be true. My, yeah. my daughter in Phoenix was, she went to urgent care and she had all the symptoms now that we know to be yeah. COVID. Um, a buddy of mine who has a bunch of hotels, his family, same thing. Um, I believe that to be true. Yeah. And and I just pray, my, my biggest hope is that they confirm that if you had it, you can't get it. Yeah, sure. Uh, you yeah. Know, like that would be, that's what we all want to hear. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The test, it goes back to testing and like, can we, can we find out if we're asymptomatic? Can we, can we just take a test? Can we, I, like, that's to me where I wish. If Joe Rogan can get it, Pete, you, you have to, you have to hook it up, man. You got to step up Dude, uh, your game. You know, if Joe Rogan can get it, you, you should be able to get it. <laughs> that That's the thing. If we can just get information, um, it would change the whole outcome of this. Like, there's got to be, and I know they're out there, and I'm sure people are spending all of their waking moments and energy and hours. Yeah, it's obviously that, not a number you could just throw money at, or I think it would have been figured out already on how to get, you know, a test in everyone's going hands. back to this whole conversation, hopefully now we don't have to wait for another pandemic to understand that research and development and placing yeah. this money proactively. Yeah, that's important health, money. Like okay. I, I'll spend $3,000 to go to... Uh, scripts in La Jolla for an executive physical and testing A to Z out of my yeah. pocket mm-hmm. to proactively see if I'm sick. Yep. And, but yet the insurance company covers zero, zero where I could save them hundreds of thousands of dollars if I was sick and they caught it early. My point is hopefully men, the mentality of our country changes to understand yeah. this expense is being, let's not be penny wise and pound foolish. Let's yeah. stay ahead of this thing because no one ever wants to go through anything remotely like this mm-hmm. again. But I really think we've discounted the medical field and, and our health because we looked at it as just dollars and cents versus being the reality that this is a massive population yeah. and we need to invest in it to make sure we're protecting it. And our teachers too. I will say though, <laughs> like by comparison, despite what we hear in the news, the response uh, uh, from this country and the healthcare here and the, the workers here is by far one of the best in, in the yeah. world still. And because it's very easy for us to see this tracker. First of all, population is insane uh, compared to some of the smaller countries that they're comparing United States to, right? Yeah. And uh, you're looking at some of the much smaller countries that have crazy amount of cases. And first of all, we're not even getting half
half the true numbers that we're getting. Mm. And uh, if any country is going to be transparent on the numbers, maybe even slightly inflate them, it's going to be the United States. Yeah. So I think this country is doing an amazing job. Um, as much as I don't agree with everything that Newsom is doing, I do think initially his intent was right, and he did jump on that right away, and i got to give him props for that. Do I agree with him how far he's pushing it now? Not particular, but again, the response for overall United States, even New York, how, just thinking how concentrated New York totally. is, and again, the behavior vastly different than Sweden, vastly different than Japan, right? Um, just for New York to quickly jump on that and lock everything up for New York to be completely empty is insane. It's, insane. it's absolutely insane. So I got to give props to, again, the response team. And again, all of the innovation, all of the vaccine right now, all, all the research we're talking about, even Carlsbad, we're yeah. talking Carlsbad, San Diego, like we're an amazing city. We have a lot of smart people here. I'm sure they're going to figure California this out. California did a phenomenal job. I mean, we compared, I mean, we, we jumped after the program of New York and we're nowhere near, no one is mm-hmm. like New York, right? And California went and did, took the steps that New York took that New York had to take the lead on. And, but we're not, we're near like New York. And I think we've done a great job. It's we've, we're at a point right now where we have to, my, my concern is we're at a point right now with mental health and other things that are going on that we've got to look at getting back to some sort of normalcy. Mm -hmm. And because it's getting to a point where there's irreparable damage that's happening, that could be, that could be worse than, than any virus. And I'm no expert, but I'm, I'm firsthand seeing deaths happen in our service industry from, from kids that struggle for mental health and they don't have their job now. And they're uh, unfortunately overdosing. Um, there's car accidents happening from drinking and driving. Um, we, I've had two, um, you know, people I know very closely pass away during this time, um, this pandemic from, from, you know, abusing drugs and alcohol. And, uh, and that's just, that's not even touching mental health and suicide and things that are happening right now. And so there's a lot of other things happening from this and, uh, it's, it's, there's, there's gotta be a, a different way. And I know it's scary and I don't, and I know all the answers, but, um, it's time to start, you know, dipping our toe in the water a little bit and, and totally. trying to figure this out in a different way. And, and, um, and to, to that point, because we, we're dealing with a population that works with us. A lot of our associates live paycheck to paycheck. Yep. They're pretty close to that. And as we're coming back, one of the things I think we need to think about, a lot of us are, is how do we continue to raise funds philanthropically, mm-hmm. whether it's through our customers and our own donations, um, to take care of, especially in the short term, while everyone's trying to get back on their feet. And I think that needs to be a new norm, yeah. I think, as mm-hmm. well. And, um, you know, when I came to town, um, we did College Rocks Hunger, and we worked with the hunger and the food banks and all that. And, and uh, you know, we used to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. And um, the, you think about shelter, uh, food, and the one thing we, we hadn't done at that time was clothing, so we created Compassion Rocks. We picked Father Jones, mm. and I was, mm-hmm. uh, I was very involved in creating this with the team and then getting all of hospitality and lounges, restaurants, and we got Semper work with us. We were raising in less than two months over 10 tons of clothes. My point is, is that we have the ability when we put our minds to it as an industry to do these things to help benefit our local, whether it's our associates or just the local community. And as busy as we're going to be trying to survive and get our businesses going yep. really well, this too shall pass. I think we need to put a lot of time into doing these type of things that, by the way, 
that's what I get the most joy out For of. Sure. It, yeah. that you're able to do things like that. And so I don't want that to get lost because I think without much effort, just the focused, there's so many. I mean, how many of us in our businesses have been feeding our staffs multiple yeah. times? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's easy to do. We need mm-hmm. to make some of these things we talk about in the new norm as we're coming back as our organization what we feed and how we feed our staff is going to be really important. For sure. That meal is really important to the people that work with us. So we're cutting costs and we got to look at things. Let's make sure we're taking care of our staff. And so I really think just us in this room and all the people that we know in our network, we can do some really great things. For sure. And I already know that I think all of us sitting in this room and some of our mutual friends that have been doing an amazing job. um, And I'm glad that, you know, local media is recognizing it and you can really sense that local media is tired of covering the negative news and yeah. they're jumping on the fact that they want to cover something positive. Um, so, you know, we're doing the billboard campaign that we're doing all yeah. throughout San Diego that mm-hmm. is going to be just positive messages all throughout yeah. San Diego. And uh, the, the big thing there is unity. Same thing. The business is coming together to just basically say like, listen, we got your back. Um, you know, we're going to bounce back from this. We're going to get through this, you know, and I think that's really important. And I know hard rock, I think did something for uh, um, emergency workers, right? We, we did a food drive. We're doing that. Jamie did yep. the same. And yep. also for the military. Yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. That's yeah. amazing. So I, I do think that there are some leaders really stepped up. And again, that's where it separates the leaders from just somebody who is doing it to be cool. Um, you know, there, there's been some great, great names that have been doing an amazing gem, job. I know, Jimmy, yeah. you guys, you guys did a bunch a of stuff with, yeah. with different restaurants, different groups, right? Yeah, with Big Seals. Brothers, Big Sisters, yeah. SEALs, uh, uh, first responders, healthcare, med- uh, healthcare professionals, medical professionals, industry, uh, meals, um, you know, free meals for, for staff, um, and there's, and there's so, there's so much more though. Like mm-hmm. there's gotta be a way when you come out of this to make the, Cause it's, it's a little bit vulnerable when you think about like food and wealth and, and, uh, like food, clothing, shelter, um, but spousal abuse, like think about how many people are at home right now that have very toxic, uh, mm-hmm. home environments for kids, um, that there's no, there's no other option right now. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on that we're not going to really hear about or know about. And there's gotta be, we've got to figure out a way to put a, an olive branch out there or not an olive branch is the wrong word, but like a, um, like a, a a hand to help totally like get that out there for people in a comfortable way to feel like, Hey, I need help. We need, I need X, Y, and Z. I don't know what that is yet, but I, hopefully we can, you know, come together as a group and build something that there's going to be all a wide variety of need, um, that the, from this, that we're not even thinking about right now. Cause we don't, we're not living it that we've got to create some sort of platform for people to be able to reach out for whatever thing is going on in their life that, we as, as a business community can, can kind of help out. Cause I think there's things happening that we can, we can't even think of that people yeah. need help on. And how do you reach those people? I don't know the answer to that yet, but that's well, something we should all be thinking about. Yeah. And I think a, a big purpose of this getting us together is, is the correct information getting out the correct voices. Cause I know there's a lot of misinformation, but to your point about local media, I said this first couple of weeks into shutdown is one of two or three big things that's going to get us out of this is the national all media holding a little more accountability and getting and, and changing the narrative on on coronavirus because right now it's 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 definitely the villain of everybody's household everybody's vi- uh, business that they're going to have to start putting out stories like that like yeah. sharing stories of you know maybe maybe for every story that we're talking about a, a new case that was covered or a new death toll 
you know, we're talking about the business that supported a rally behind their employees. I think the narrative has to change. Otherwise we're going to reopen mm-hmm. and they're going to keep covering the villain. They're going to keep, they're going to keep branding it, the villain. And you know, people scared more and more and more. And we already know opening back up because right now we're still accumulating more cases. We're going to reopen and there'll be more cases. Yeah. So are they going to cling to the cases? Or are they going to cling to what we're doing now. And that's know? how the conversation has shifted. We're no longer talking deaths. Uh, the, the latest article is talking about Georgia. Uh, uh, cases are through the roof. Okay, well, they it's opened. Testing. So, of course, they're, first of all, testing. And secondly, of course, they opened their economy. And, mm-hmm. te- and, and yes, there will be cases. Again, we shifted conversation from bending the curve and easing the pressure off the hospitals. And uh, uh, now, somehow, we're talking containment, which is not possible mm-hmm. to do. Yes, there will be more cases. We just have to make sure our healthcare system is best prepared to deal with yeah. all of the people that are potentially going to be sick. Totally. And of course, not be reckless. Yeah, probably not throwing raging parties in PB. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no more house parties. Yeah, no more house parties. <laughs> so uh, I think that's that's the part that is a little bit frustrating for me to understand because. You know, again, we went from uh, uh, bending the curve, helping the healthcare system to all of a sudden containment strategy um, that is simply not going to work. We're going to have more cases in San Diego. We're going to have more cases in California. We're opening up and it's going to happen. Like it or not, no matter how many measures we're going to create to protect everyone, it's going to happen. And that's how we get to herd immunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we get the vaccine and hopefully get more testing, which probably is going to happen around the same time we get the vaccine. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You know, well, hey, I'm going to jump in the Q&A. Yes. This, this kind of ran itself, which is awesome. I didn't really need a, a, a driver on the steering wheel, but I did have some questions come in. We might have covered some of them, and I know there's a couple for each of you. So, our Tim, I'll start with you. Oh, here we go. Well, one's actually, it was, it was personal to you, but I'll, yeah. I'll save that second. It's actually pretty funny. <laughs> will, you, will you go on a date with me, Artem? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some differences you think we'll see or new measures taken inside gyms when they reopen specifically? Um, I can cover which ones are for sure and which ones are probably more likely than not. Um, so the ones for sure, I think, again, based on San Diego, temperature checks. Um, the ones that are for sure probably limit on group class exercise. Definitely no person-to-person contact in mm. the group exercise classes. I know that some gyms are canceling group exercise altogether. Time limits. There will be time limits for uh, people to attend classes as well mm. as just in general, use open gym. So you will check in and you will have your your clock is on. You have one hour to get your workout in, in and out. So you're not going to have people taking multiple classes or stay there for multiple hours at a time. Probably some limit on using the locker rooms. Definitely no saunas, no steam rooms, potentially no showers, um, no towel service. My understanding is that majority of the fitness industry agrees that there will be no towel service. Um, so you you better expect to bring your own towel probably no shared water fountains. So you're going to have to mm. uh, bring your own water. So there's little things that uh, gyms are going to try to limit any just multi-person touch areas. Um, so I think that's the, that's the going to be the big ones. Spacing out cardio equipment, of course, spacing out the weight machines, for example, one of the things that we're doing, um, if you're going to go ahead and use weight equipment, we're not going to space it out. We simply don't have room or ability to do that you're not going to be able to do rotation circuits. So if you grab the piece of equipment, you're sticking to it. And you're going to basically get done with however many sets that you're doing there. Then you're going to sanitize that piece of equipment and move on to the next one. Wow. So there, there's a lot of stuff that we thought through. Any, anything that has to do with rotation or sharing the equipment is out of the question. It's going to be gone. Um, so down, F45's in trouble. 
Potent- I mean, it depends, right? So this is what I think uh, that is right thing to do for us right now. Down to we don't have any exercise. We won't have any exercise that have to do with you touching a floor, which means burpees, push-ups, mountain wow. climbs. Nothing that has yeah. to do with my glove touching the floor and then coming back to my face. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to say I'm not really upset that you're going to stop doing burpees. Yeah, yeah, you're like, yes. Not happy about So, so it's going to be a leg day. Life. Every day, as my coaches joked, every day is a leg day. So right now, we're going to start creating mock classes to where our coaches ha- will uh-huh. have to relearn how to run these classes um, to give person same quality workout, but it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same for quite some time. It's not an hour-long class. It's a 45-minute long class to give us 15-minute window yeah. to clean deep clean the floor and uh, the bags. So that's, uh, you know, I, I can ramble on forever. It's like a, we have like a hundred different things that we're implementing. Some are more hardcore. Some are a little bit more common sense. Good answer. Well, it's a long one. I was ready. I was ready. My, you better be my, ready for you my, director, my director of operations would be so proud of you. You better right be ready now. for this one then. <laughs> are you being like Mike Tyson during quarantine and using the time to train for a comeback in Muay Thai? I have been training probably more than ever. And then so many people have been commenting <laughs> on that. They're like, dude, when are you coming back? Like every time. No, I'm doing it for my own like health. You know, I think, again, it's really important. Uh, funny thing is the, the common misconception is if you're a gym owner, you work out all the time. Um, I actually don't. You know, if I'm in the gym, I'm working most of the time on the phone calls, emails, and so on and so forth. And really, by the time I'm free, I want to get out of there. Uh, I've, ne- I've never seen you work out. Yeah. Of all yeah. my time being over there. Rarely. So this was a good time for me to start taking care of myself. Like um, more and more I'm reading about important things in life. And I think your health is really important because mm-hmm. if my health goes, the company goes. So it's like a, a, it's counterintuitive, but I think it is important. So even though I'm still younger, but I want to start taking care of my health, mental health. Uh, so, yeah, I've been working out every day. So who knows, maybe a comeback 2021. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jimmy was how soon do you think specifically we'll be able to dine in at restaurants? So I think June one is my estimate that is just an arbitrary type of guesstimate that I'm using based on our release that we're going now, maybe a little bit sooner would is that's the target date that I'm preparing for all of my restaurants are preparing right now for that. So we're getting back in there and cleaning all the equipment mm-hmm. um, because we got to prepare for this kind of new norm. So, you know, sanitization stations and, uh, you know, you know, getting ordering masks and, uh, and then, um, anyway, just preparing for that. So June one's kind of that, that date that we are preparing for. Mm. We'll see kind of what happens. And is right now the time to buy, sell, or just sit on real estate? So, um, I think it depends case by case. So in real estate, we're representing two groups right now that are buying property, um, because this pandemic has not had an effect on their business. Their business is actually maintained and stayed the same as it always has been. Um, and so they're buying right now because it's the opportunity is there. So their lease is expiring. They know that it's time to transition. Their business is, is stable and set to where they want it to be. So their lease is expiring. They're going to go buy their own building mm. so that they can have that and go. That's a, that's a great case from an investment perspective. Um, if I'm a net lease investment guy, uh, I think I'm looking at all kinds of net lease investment properties and I'm probably focusing on drive-thrus. I think, um, mm. I think if you look at net lease investing in the past, anyway, drive-thrus have always been, 
um, you know, pretty solid investments. Um, but I think right now uh, I'd be spending a lot of time looking at drive through locations that are great real estate. Um, as I think drive through will start to become a thing of more comfort in the hospitality sector. A lot of people are going to go, Hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to mess with that restaurant stuff. They're labeled pandemic proof now too. Yeah. You can keep your drive through open during shutdown. I mean, look at Jack in the box. Their numbers went up. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, to see kind of how they adjusted during this time. Yeah. We Um, were, we were talking about that, uh, is I wonder how just in general, the QSR space or drive through when this all happened and they kept their doors open, did they see a surge or did they see it drop or did it just stay status? Yeah. So they saw a little, they, it was a little, in, in general. In, it was a little increased, but they were, they were kind of trending a different direction and then mm-hmm. this kind of turned it up. And I think the big thing is health, right? So like right now, QSR and health is like not, like you, there's not like a great variety of drive-through health options. Mm-hmm. So as you look at like Fenster from Everbull, you know, he's looking at drive-through locations for yeah. Everbull. Um, if I'm, if I'm Tokaya, I would really be looking at transitioning from the, my existing model into a drive-through model. Um, cause I think that they're kind of built to be able to go and do that. Um, so I think a lot of r- industries, especially ones that are more focused on the organic and health conscious, um, are going to be looking at drive-through options for the tender business. greens should take notes. Tender greens yeah. should be taking notes. Look at what Starbucks is doing. Starbucks, Shifted, everyone, yeah. they're like all drive-through only. And everyone's like, Starbucks is not a co- just a coffee company. They kill it in food. They sell a crap load of food and they've done a pretty good job of building, you know, quick to go healthy options for people. And, and they're doing it very quietly. And yeah, and they like just open at the hard rock today and they put a six foot table outside and they take doors and go in, bring it out mm-hmm. so right now. They're yep. not even letting anyone in. Yeah. They just reopen the doors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smart. All right, Maddie. Will hotel rates be reduced across the board initially after the economy gets back up and running? You know, um, it's really interesting. If you look at the economy and you look at all the history after a downturn, those that really lower their rates, there's a, um, a measurement industry-wide called RevPAR, Revenue Per Available Room, which is a combination of occupancy and rate to give you a revenue per available room. Typically, when you commoditize your business, you fare worse. Um, so... I, there's going to be some markets where you're going to see a lot of rates will come down. Uh, there's going to be a lot of markets where I think the rate is going to hold. Mm. Um, and um, I just don't, I hope we don't commoditize our market like has been done in many of the downturns. Having said that, we want to make sure that you're giving value for your money. You're providing the experience um, and we're getting creative. So um, the answer is, I think it really depends on the market and the hotel um, but I would expect that there might be a slight discount in some markets. Other markets probably will hold their rates. And then you have seasonal, like right now, Florida, and we look at our Florida properties. As you start coming out of that, you're going into the summer mm. market. And so, so they were deep into season and then this thing hit. So, um, it's hard to tell, but we know historically that if you just commoditize your rates, you don't fare that well. Um, so, um, I think there'll be some deals out there and, and the OTAs, the Expedia's, the hotel.com, that's another avenue to get sure. out there on the cellular inventory. So there will be deals. And with the internet, you can shop really easily as a consumer. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I think it just depends on how demand comes back and, and how each individual hotel and brand thinks about the business. 
Cool. It's uh, Pete's way of asking for a discount for a room in Las Vegas. <laughs> hey, that was my question. <laughs> uh, and I think we, we kind of touched on this throughout uh, all of our conversation, but do you think people are going to be hesitant to stay at hotels? Is it a simil- similar ramp up to flying on planes? Um, look, every individual has their own sense of what their feeling of safety and security is, right? I've known people that always freak out when they travel um, and we're always nervous about it. Um, so there are certain people that will feel that way. I really think that the hospitality industry, and you're going to see a lot of this, and, it, and, and there's going to be standards rolled out by the brands, by hotel management companies, um, restaurants, the same thing as we're all talking about, that we're going to clearly demonstrate and show that we have a very sanitary environment. It's mm. clean, and, and the amount of time and, and focus spent in cleaning in our public areas and our outlets and our guest rooms is going to be significant. Um, uh, so there will be some people that will be nervous about that. But the beautiful thing about a hotel is, again, your guest rooms are cleaned and sanitized. It's a private space. It's pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Your resorts that are spread out are pretty safe. It's when you start getting the volume back, like we won't being a, you know we won't be having any large parties anytime soon. Until we get our arms wrapped around this as a nation, uh, and we can do that in a safe way. So I think as long as we act appropriately, I think we're going to get our business back. But it's going to be, I think, weekend and transient leisure and a lot of driving first before you have a fly-in. I think group is going to be tough in the shorter term, and that's for sure going to come back. And there's going to be certain businesses that, A, don't exist anymore or don't have the budgets to travel for 2020. And there's going to be certain groups that I mentioned earlier, companies that don't want people traveling at least till middle of next year until there's more transparency on being able to do it safely and securely. Mm. So it's going to take a little bit of time. Mm. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah. This is exactly how I envisioned it. It was great. It's great. Did uh, anything you guys, anyone you want to put on the table before we leave? I feel like we covered a lot. No, I think we're gonna have to circle back and see when uh, this thing uh, plays out, and maybe do a part two and see how we're we're doing and how our predictions are. Yeah, I, I, I thought someone should have done like a documentary, like, I, and I'm sure someone is, but like yeah. someone that's like a film person should have gone around to like different types of industries and businesses and and interviewed them, starting from you know the beginning of this in March to like and through the year, like for a full year. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, this is it's like historical. This is so historical. Everyone yeah. was wrong. And yeah, that's yeah, everyone, everyone was wrong because yeah. I told my staff, I'm like, guys, we're good. Same. We have nothing to worry Same. about here. We're taking all the precautionary measures. We're the leader. We're taking all the steps. We're golden. I would have never thought economy would be stopped for two, three, four months. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and everyone who's making predictions or is confident about it, I mean, yeah. they lose credibility with me. But I think the thing, you know, just this great conversation we're having, I think it's important for everyone to reach out on mm-hmm. a personal and a professional level, share information, ideas, what's working, what's not. Like, the whole thought that you're going to wait a couple of weeks is so smart because I like learning from other people's mistakes before I step in it myself. For sure. Mm-hmm. And we're talking at a much higher level of, of concern, right? Because it's not just financial, it's, it's health and safety. But we all have to really help each other out and communicate. And what are your best practices? What's working? What's not? And if we do that, we're all going to get back 
faster yeah. and be able to provide the services and experience that people want. Yeah. They want to be at the gym. They yeah. want to train. They want to have good food. They want to socialize. They want to stay in the hotels. They want to travel. We just have to work together because we're all interrelated. And I think there's a lot of smart people out there that as long as we're not trying to hoard information but share the good yeah. and the bad, it's going to help us get on the right track faster. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a great message, yeah. I've been working closely with the gyms that normally I would not work with, uh, but it just happened that we naturally just connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we're, we're in this together, and I think that alone is such a uniter all of a sudden. It's not us versus them. It's like, dude, we're, we're in this together. Let's figure this out, you know? And, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of gyms have been reaching out and just seeing, hey, guys, I know you guys are, are pretty sharp. Like, what are you guys doing? And I'm happy to share that. That has been kind of Same mind-blowing thing, yeah. to me and saying, like, talking with Cohen, talking with the Urban Plates group and Scarra and what they're doing, Mikey G, um, and just sharing that information. Cali Comfort, um, Sean is incredible. And uh, the network, Phil Pace, like, it's been amazing. Like, who I just feel honored that I get to be a part of some of these phone calls. And I feel honored that sometimes these guys call me going, what are you doing? It's been incredible to talk yeah. with them and, and uh, feel part of that group. That's the, our local. I mean, that group alone in Sandy covers 200 restaurants in San Diego oh. that I've been able to, to be on the phone with. And uh, it's been kind of cool to see everyone kind of band together and, and uh, just kind of feel like, Hey, let's do some best practices. What are you learning from doing this? And just sharing that, how am I to go like alcohol sales to go, how I, pivoted and changed that and um it's been kind of fun and then learning stuff from other people what they did and what worked and what didn't right it's been pretty cool we're, we're all connected as human beings yeah now. and we don't like sometimes we struggle with that if it's outside our social group or our work group yeah and now it's comforting we, yeah i mean i i love it yeah sure so, yeah cool. and i think we all are aware enough that we've had some wacky shit for the last two months but we still have a lot to expect moving forward. So it's even more important to have those alliances versus territorial sure. and those conversations. I think it's, it's put everybody on the same playing field. And at the beginning, talking to uh, peers and talking to other business owners actually helped me because I empathized, you know, yeah. like it, there is no part of me. And I told you this, I couldn't say poor me, me, me from a individual standpoint or a company. Cause I pick up the phone, I call you and yeah. be like, I'm, it's a wreck. It's a fucking yeah. train wreck over here. Hey, everyone's getting crushed here. Yeah. yeah, and I think moving forward, and, and the biggest motivator for this is, I think these type of conversations and, and the minds in this room and, and outside of this room too are what needs to be heard, and that voice needs to be amplified more. And and I know I got fired up like last week with you because never been so bound by politicians as we are right now. Right. You know, as business owners, you thrive off of if someone tells you no, I figure out how to say yes. And I fought that for first week, second week, until you realize it's just fucking no. Like yep. no means no, and you can't do anything about it, which is our like superpower is, you know, for our staff, for our business, like, cool, that's a problem. I'll get through it. But there, there wasn't with this. And, I, and why I got fired up with you is I, I, I said, I think there needs to be some sort of group or voice or channel that people can, can now have in and out telling them policy, telling them expectations and are okay telling them the bad stuff just as much yep. as the good, you know, cause well, right now it's a lot of negative. Don't tell bad. us, you know, our customers better than we do. That is well, the, well, that is the conversation. Well, also, don't tell us, you know, our customers better than we do. We are in touch with our customers. We know what's best for our customer. And, and we're obviously going to do everything we can to protect our customer as well. You know, like we, you have to hear our voice, you know, mm-hmm. and I hope, I hope that should be the trend. And, and, and there's just a lot horrible. of, there's a lot of speculating 
going on. And I think the speculations aren't, aren't coming from the most vetted sources. Yeah. You know, and that's scary for the general public who's trusting the sources. That's right. You know, and they're making, they're building their tomorrow and next month and long-term decisions around these sources where I think, no, we have to have a, a coalition or a group that is okay saying, hey, here's the message. It's going to sting, but that's the reality. Yeah. There's no attachment to yeah. political influence. There's no attachment anywhere. It's just the pure messaging of the state we're in right now, where we're moving forward. And my biggest fear out of this was, okay, we pressed the shutdown button. Do we now have access to that? Will it be pressed again? Because we've done it once. The blow won't hurt as much next time if it's a year or end of this end of 2020. And they say, let's press it again because we've done it once. Then how do we rebound there? You know, and, and that's that's the fear. I said it has to be different people on the high level, not just politicians who navigate through that because it's clearly been it's clearly everybody's seen now. They didn't know what they were doing. And in fairness, nobody I don't think nobody anybody did. could have been in a position to know what to do. But it doesn't help when you have attached influences and, and ulterior motives along the way that there has to be some other voice or channel to, to kind of weather those, the storm. Hopefully we don't have the the same storm. I'll personally being vulnerable. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't like filming myself and doing, doing the damn thing. And it's been, you know, I've been told I need to be doing that, especially when we started buying restaurants and opening restaurants, people know me as a real estate guy and they know me from, you know, building resident brewing company with Scott and Rob and Mina and Brendan and, um, they don't know me as a guy that owns restaurants. I'm, I'm just an investor and now I'm operating them. And so it was like, Hey, get on camera, let people know what you're doing. I just never really liked doing that or felt comfortable doing that. So as I go through this, a lot of people started reaching out to me, asking advice. And it was just easier for me to just do a video and post it out on what I'm going through. And at the time that I did it, I was frustrated because I was denied on all, all my PPP loans. Mm-hmm. I'm like not getting anywhere. All these big companies are getting it. And I'm like scared and I, I literally hit a point where I'm, I'm going and I'm, and I go for it, but it hit a point for me where I was very, just, I felt afraid. And so I got vulnerable. I posted that video. I talked about what I was going through and it was, it changed me because so many people were having it substantially worse than I was. And I always think, and remember everyone, someone out there always has it worse than you do always. And when I did that, it was just a good reminder for myself and it gave me this like bolt of energy. It was like literally like relit the fire for me to get right back on the bike and get going on it. Like literally, literally, but, <laughs> but like get back up, keep fighting and get going through. And so I encourage a lot of uh, business owners out there to be vulnerable. Uh, talk about what you're going through because uh, people will, that people are looking for connection and, and looking to reach out and connect. And by me doing that, opened up a lot of other different things and ideas and got my mind going again. That was my mind was kind of, I was like so scared and just done. And Mm -hmm. just that quick video to be vulnerable changed everything for me to get right back up about. And that was about a month ago. So I, I I kind of felt like I had reached the end of my rope and Mm -hmm. it was like, I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to lose 80% of my wealth that I put into restaurants like a dummy. And, um, you know, but I, I went back to why did I do that? Why did I, why did I put so much money into restaurants? Um, and it's the answer is because I absolutely love it. It's not because I thought I was going to be a millionaire from it. It was that I saw a void. I saw a need with real estate and restaurants combined that I had an expertise in. And it just brought me back to why did I do this in the first place? Mm-hmm. It's because I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted the struggle. And so I don't know, I encourage everyone out there to get a little vulnerable and reach out and talk to people and ask for help and share what, share what you're going through. Cause it might light something or give you an idea you hadn't thought about. Yeah. And, and I, I saw the video and it's funny cause I had the same 
Um, we all know Dan Fulkerson. He put out a video once that was, was similar vulnerability, but it was with big banks. Mm-hmm. But he was saying he was yeah. saying a lot of things that other people were thinking. Yeah. We, were, we were thinking the same thing because we were going through it with our big bank, and I think a lot of other people were too. And I had people who uh, it wasn't talking to him. They they came to me a couple of days after saying, "Did you see Dan's video?" Yeah. And I'm sure you had a you had an audience and crowd who said that, and just even peers like us who saw. I posted SBA phone call. And same thing, yeah. remember? Yeah. SBA, just my SBA experience calling them and same thing. All these people reached out. They're like, dude, I'm glad I'm not the only one because <laughs> yeah. I can't understand a damn thing that they're saying. Like, yeah, that was they, so funny, they, by they, the way. I, at that point, I started calling them every day, right? I was hammering them every single day and I became more expert on disaster loan relief than they were. Like, it, I was started talking to people that didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, it's so funny, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I think vulnerable, and, and it's funny because I've been right on the send button with certain messages, and, and as of like like last week, no, but I said, I'm like, I think our leaders, um, whether it's uh, business leaders or just leaders from a social standpoint, need to voice more right now more than yeah. ever, you know, could be because everybody is on an equal playing field and everybody has a different, mm-hmm. I, I posted about it, I, I think this has been the, the true, like, real life version of empathy, and hearing us talking about like employees and everybody else's stories in the workforce and personal life. Like you talk about someone who has a, a toxic relationship has been living in, indoors with them. Then you talk about the bartender who, when you were saying paycheck to paycheck, we, I talked a week after, cause I ran into a bartender buddy their their shift to shift, meaning they build their paycheck off their shifts, which builds their rent for that month. And you know, we've all heard the guys are saying, I got to make 200 bucks tonight to make my rent. Yeah. That's how many guys, and this happened mid-March, that were probably having those conversations going into the last weekend of March to make their April 1st rent, and then lights just got turned off. And hearing those stories, man, the empathy level, because, yeah, I've had buddies who live with their significant others, and one, like, it it ended up leading to the end of it, you know, Mm because they're around each other enough. So I think the level of empathy and, like, teaching point on that end, it's it's been the biggest eye-opener opener for me. So seeing your messages, seeing Dan messages, and sitting down and talking here, I think is going to be instrumental to getting a, a healthy foot forward. Yeah. I agree with that. The other thing that's crazy, you talk about social media and I have time hop. I, I love time hop. And Boots and Dukes came up today. And it was a country music, mm-hmm. uh, which was great because everyone was happy and country music. Mm-hmm. We didn't make any money, but it was a great event. We just couldn't get enough people there. But my point is, first of all, you see all the people that work for you and with you for years. And you're mm-hmm. like, you just think about it. You haven't seen them in a long time. And then you think about how much we took for granted everything. Yeah. Because it's just the way we <laughs> yeah. lived. And now you're like, I would just kill to be able to hang out with my team, my entire team yeah, working totally. on a Saturday or a Sunday and have a full restaurant or a pool or a hotel. And we're all camaraderie together. And, and the things that you just took for granted. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and so you now have this basically every day, this day in history, going back to as many years as you've been on, and you're like, wow, I would just kill to be back in those times. And yeah. you just, you just kind of go, like I said, being present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really try to be more <clears throat> present. I went into work Monday. I was, I had some other stuff on my mind and, and personal stuff that I was dealing with, and I was short with people. I, I worked out in the morning, and then I went for a run. I'm like, I got to leave. I gotta, and the next day, I apologized to people because I was just short. I wasn't taking a deep breath and listening and really being present to try to understand what they were trying to say. And, um, but I'm much more aware now. Let's just be present because 
a lot of times you just fly through the game yeah. and it's over. You're like, what did I do today? Well, it's funny. It's, it's forced us to be, we can't right now, like we see the time hops. We can't look at the past because like, well, this sucks. We can't really plan for the future. Just we can't plan for the future right now because we don't, it's uncertainties and there is no game plan for us as business owner or people. So we're forced to just each day face value. And that was the hardest turning point because I, I figured, you know, it's going to be a month. It's going to be a month or six weeks. I'm not going to get into any routine because it doesn't make sense because we're going to snap right out of this. If I get into a, a quarantine routine and then right back in business, that's not smart. And then another, more weeks and went here by. here we are. More weeks went by. <laughs> so it's really forced us to, to go at present value. And I think for us, our bounce back, our, um, me and our company is, you know, getting back to the stuff we really enjoy most doing because we're moving at such an, uh, a fast rate. And, yeah. and March, which, again, it's not the poor me, poor me. March was our nine-year anniversary of incorporating. So we had all these big plans, and it was a killer month for us between the events and opening our restaurant and all that. And, and it just shattered. But it's, it's taught me, like, there was a lot, but there's also a lot that was just keeping me on, on the wheel that I didn't even know where I was going. Yeah. So now it's like, well, what do I, what do I enjoy the absolute most? Boots and Dukes, even though it wasn't the most profitable, loved, loved it, you know, and there's, and there's a lot of examples of that, like that I absolutely love doing. I love doing this, you know, that now getting back to that is how do you still, obviously we know we have to get back our our money, right. But like getting back to the stuff we love, whether it's family, whether it's work or whatever, because we were just going at such a fucking fast rate and not really being present, just thinking about, I I'm so wired for the future. So wired for the future. It's like, well, this is going to course correct for sure. Yeah. So but I wouldn't put it past us if we don't get in the same room again. Hopefully it's with businesses back open. And we definitely got to do one yeah. like, you know, six months from now or something like, yeah. Hey, where are we at now? How's yeah. it going? Maybe we'll come to one of one of your guys' businesses and shoot it there. Yeah. So, and uh, hopefully the, the, the murder wasps are not going to take <laughs> over the news at that point. Don't and now we have, now, and now we have don't a whole different, <laughs> different fucking issue. I'm going to buy a murder wasp. You, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to have a shirt 2020 canceled and I'm just going to start 2021 fresh. Yeah. Well, again, thanks guys. Appreciate thank it. You, man. And thanks, thank you bro. everyone. Uh, wraps it up. You know where to find it in the weeds, in the weed show.com and subscribe.